WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. The back and forth continues over New York's migrant crisis. Mayor Adams again criticizing Governor Hochul for not doing enough or more for New York City. It is a war of words lately between the mayor and the governor and some blistering criticism today coming from the mayor who says if the federal government is offering locations outside the city to house migrants, he is going to send them there whether the governor likes it or not. I think the governor's wrong. She's the governor of the state of New York. New York City is in that state. Every county in this state should be part of this. Any time you start out a question with the name Curtis Sliwa, that in itself states that it would do a disservice to me and other New Yorkers for me to even respond to that. Curtis Sliwa? I mean, I mean, if you go look in a dictionary for the word buffoon and tell me what picture you come up with. <laughs> Renewed warnings about COVID as cases mount a resurgence. New York Governor Hochul announced steps to protect New Yorkers against an uptick in cases. Right now, labs are monitoring samples for the new variant BA286. The health commissioner says it was recently detected in New York sewage. N95 masks and test kits are still available for all state and county officials and all New Yorkers. According to the CDC, COVID hospitalizations have gone up nearly 19% in the last two weeks. The increase went from 12,000 to 15,000 weekly hospitalizations. Look, the president says this all the time. Watch him, right? Watch him. And he, uh, he I've, I've They are watching him. That's what I'm saying. No, 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 this no. is the 77% who are concerned. No, no, no. But I've, I've had conversations with some of your colleagues in the White House press corps when we travel abroad, how it is hard for us to keep up with this president. If you look at all the information we've been able to gather so far, it is a natural step forward that you would have to go to an impeachment inquiry. We need you to win this. Not a bigger supporter than me right here, and there's a lot of folks in New York City, President Trump, that love you still. I walk by your, your place of residence on Fifth Avenue almost every day, see your name all over the city. I know you live in South Florida. But you'll always be a great New Yorker to a lot of us here. So continued success. Please come back again because I want to help you get back to where you belong, Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, I appreciate it. And you are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend. And just take care of yourself. And we'll speak to you again soon.
Natalie Merchant, the great Natalie Merchant, and 10,000 Maniacs. These are days at 6.07. Wednesday morning, hump day Wednesday, Tunnel to Towers Wednesday on your favorite talk show, not just in New York City, but quite frankly, your favorite news talk show anywhere in the country. That's us. Sitting friends in the morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Another uh, fine open put together by Alec. And uh, now two of the last three days I've had Justin close out the open with Donald Trump. And that was the last time President Trump was on with me, dating back to May 11th. So it'll be almost about three months to the day when Trump makes his return coming up on Friday. So, uh, for example, last night I was acting and I got an email from Margot Morton, another Margot, like the beautiful Margot Katsimatidis. Margot Morton, who I've told you before, happens to work in Donald Trump's office. And she said, hey, Sid, the president's looking forward to coming back. And so what they do is pretty much a formality that I can do with everybody. Uh, they ask me for questions before. They want to know what I'm going to ask President Trump before he comes on, just so there's nothing shady, nothing that's going to really surprise him and make him look bad, which I would never do anyway. So uh, this morning, now we've got to send uh, some of these questions over to Trump. That's when you know it's official. You know, I speak to Sergio Gore, Donald Trump's publisher, terrific guy, some other people inside Trump's office, and he's on. He's coming on Friday at 840, but until I get that email from Margo, which says, what are you going to ask the president? It's not really official, but I got it. So President Trump will, in fact, be back coming up this Friday at 840. I found it interesting. Uh, we did put in the open, or maybe we didn't, Brooke Singman. You know who she is, Lewis? Brooke Singman? No. She's cute. You should know who she is. She's on Fox News. She's no, a big I fan of yours. Not. I do know who you're talking about. You do know now? I do know. Why, because I said she was cute? No, because I put the I wrote the name out on a piece of paper. <laughs> no, because you're dirty. Let's be honest. You're just dirty. What does that have, what does that have to do with me knowing who, who Because she is? if she wasn't cute, you'd have no idea who she was. If her name was Bob Singman. Right, you wouldn't even you'd have no idea. And right? I wouldn't care either. <laughs> right. So she was saying yesterday on Fox News that since the Donald Trump mugshot, which we know Trump came out with never surrender, he's selling merchandise and People are buying it. Can you even guess how much money Donald Trump has raised since his mugshot was released after Georgia next week? Maybe you can, maybe you can't. If you can't, this, Lewis, is Fox News cut number 12. Just when you thought my man was down, he says to you, F you. Former President Trump is seeing a fundraising surge. His campaign telling me that... They've raised nearly $10 million since the release of his Georgia mugshot last week. They're saying that the sales of mugshot merchandise, like T-shirts, mugs, and posters with his mugshot printed on them, helped to spike fundraising, bringing the team to $20 million raised in just the month of August alone. This is Trump keeps a massive lead in the GOP primary. The Trump campaign sending a polling memo to top Republican donors saying that this race is no longer Trump versus DeSantis, but rather Trump 
Trump versus everyone else. This memo says that the much hoped for DeSantis bounce was really a, quote, dead cat bounce and that it doesn't exist. With Haley's surge, DeSantis finds himself with another challenger for a distant second place besides Vivek Ramaswamy, and that's Nikki Haley, they say in that memo. But despite the former president's dominant standings in the polls, Nikki Haley says she is the best candidate with the best shot at defeating what? Joe Biden in the general election. Listen. They said the one person we don't want to run against in a general election is Nikki Haley. <laughs> they know that they can't call me racist. They know they can't call out anything I do because I'm their worst nightmare. And look, we're going to call it like we see it. A vote for Joe Biden is a vote for Kamala mm. Harris. And just a week after the first debate, the crowded Republican field is already shrinking. We see that Miami Mayor Francis Suarez is the first candidate to bow out of the race. He made that announcement on X, writing, quote, Well, I've decided to suspend my campaign for president. My commitment to making this a better nation for every American. I'm your nightmare. He says he looks forward to keeping in touch <laughs> with the other Republican presidential candidates and doing what he can to make sure the party puts forward a strong nominee. Now, 12 candidates are still in this race including Larry Elder, Will Hurd, and Perry Johnson, but none of them qualified for the first debate last week in Milwaukee. And with a higher threshold set for the next one in California, the stage is expected to shrink even more. You can tune into that one on Fox Business September 27th. You know, I met this guy, Francis Suarez, upstairs. Because one thing about John Katsimatidis is he knows everyone. And when people come to New York, <laughs> John is like Michael Corleone, you know. They come to kiss the ring. doesn't matter who it is, what party. Say what you want about John. I know people getting on him last week because he had Eric Adams and, and the governor. He gives to everybody. You know, he wants to improve this city, and uh, he doesn't play partisan politics. So don't get mad at John. But he had uh, Francis Suarez up there one day, and I went up to meet him. Very, He's a very handsome guy, very handsome and very glib and funny. But he has about as much a chance to win the presidency as no one does. So when I heard he was running, I was like, what? Then I heard, I think John Tobacco even told me that he made it. He made the criteria for the first debate. But then he wasn't there. And now our worst nightmare has come true. Frankie Suarez is no longer running for president. Now what do we do, Lewis? Now what? I don't know. We need another nightmare. (laughs) While they're shrinking that stage, they should send uh, Chris Christie home. Fat, jealous lord offers nothing. Uh, Nikki Haley, I'm their worst nightmare. I mean, these people are so delusional, it's unreal. None of these people have a chance. If I got to say one more time to some Trump detractor, one more time, this primary is over, I'm going to go insane. What do you mean it's over, Sid? There's still a long way to go. and But who's gaining? Who? Well, look at Chris Christie in New Hampshire. Okay, so? I mean, he's killing everybody, killing them. Again, raising nearly $20 million since the mugshot came out. So Donald Trump will be here on Friday morning at 840. And we're going to uh, bro down. That's my guy now. Who would have thunk that? <laughs> it's clearly your guy. You clearly my guy. I mean, I got a text from his daughter-in-law, Lara, on Saturday morning that said, my father-in-law is excited that he's coming back on. And I said, how'd you know? She said, he told me he loves you. I said, Lara, everybody says that. He loves you. I go, Lara, does he love me? He goes, Sid, he loves you. 
Number one, Sid. Did you get flowers? I'll get him whatever he wants. No, from him. If he no, he, he hasn't sent me flowers These yet. Are no, the best roses I could find. They're the greatest. <laughs> what? Did you write out your questions? I haven't written them out yet, no. Okay, so when are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to have Alec do it for me. Okay. I have okay. to host a radio show that I'm going right back to uh, to Eastchester. I can't wait to see the questions. Do I get to see the questions? You do no, not get to see the questions. Not? I want to see them. I'm here. Do you have any questions you want me to ask? Sure. Give me one that I'll give to President Trump that I, you want I me to ask. I have a great question. Let me hear it. Why do we have to give you a list of questions? <laughs> that's my first question. See what he did there? That's very that's funny. That's my first question. Noam Layden, do you have a question for Trump you want me to send to him? Uh, let's see. Um, Don't steal mine. What was yours? Uh, mine was, why do we have to give you a oh, list of questions that when, is... you're, when you're going to run for public office and we, we have put our trust in you? That's an excellent question. I never yeah. like giving out questions oh, ahead of time. Yeah, yeah but to be well, clear, don't worry about she it, said... Because none of you guys are interviewing him. Don't worry about it. I'll but take she's... care of it. It's fine. She did say topics. That makes it a little bit Topics, right. Thank you, Justin. Like, I'm just sending a list of topics. It's not like I have to word questions and test my grammar and stuff like that. We don't have to do that. Because that would be an epic failure. You're you're leaving this in Justin's hands. I am leaving it in Justin's hands. So you're ready for five questions about (laughs) Philadelphia Eagles? (laughs) I'm a very good Uh, uh, president. Trump, you think Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback (laughs) in the National Football League? Let's be honest. Sid, it's been nice fun talking to you. You're still number one, Sid. So the roses are on the way. You guys laugh now. It'll be funny what I'm celebrating in February. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, right. I'd like to thank Justin Ellick. Let's bring him on stage here, Justin. Just like you were last February, right? We oh, okay. All right. Later yeah. points against the Kansas City Chiefs. How did that go? I guess I deserve that. <laughs> yeah, I guess you do. I yeah. know. Uh, give me the latest, because uh, so far since we started this radio program, I look to my left and I see Fox News, I see MSNBC, all these stations, and every one of them has been stuck on for 16 minutes this uh, Hurricane Arthur Idala, which is now strengthened to a Category 4 and is about to like, uh, make landfall, I guess, up in Jacksonville this morning. What's the latest known? Yes, yeah, so it's going to hit Florida's Big Bend region in just a matter of hours. And the hurricane has sustained winds of 130 miles per hour. So initially this was Category 1 just a, 48 hours ago, now Category 4. Yesterday, wow. uh, Sid, you had Governor DeSantis begging people in the path of the storm to get out because they once it's in, they say, we're not going to be able to help you. Uh, we had uh, some major storm surge overnight. And that'll be the case today. Uh, and, you know, we'll be watching this all day long. But uh, the storm surge up to 16 feet already in some areas. Wow. So uh, what areas, what residential areas are really in trouble? Yeah, well, Jacksonville for sure is yeah. one of them in the neighborhoods around it. Uh, the peninsula on the the uh, Gulf Coast side as well. So the Big Bend region actually is... As populated as Florida is, the Big Bend region is the least populated part of right. Florida. So right. uh, there was a lot of time for people to get out yesterday because they had a lot of warning. But we have no sense of how many people left because, mm. you know, lots of people want to ride out the storm sure. and they try yeah. to. You know, I um, I lived in Boca for 16 years and I did miss Hurricane Andrew. I wasn't there for that. That was a real disaster. But I arrived in Boca in uh, 2005 and... We didn't have a place to stay. I had uh, just lost my job at WFAN, needed a place to stay. And so Danielle has a cousin, cousin Linda and George, who has since passed away. We're very close to them. And we stayed with them. And uh, Ava was only 18 months old. I had my dog, Lucy, who has since passed away, and me and Danielle. 
And we got to Boca just in time for Hurricane Wilma. And I got to tell you, Lou, shut your mic off in there. I keep hearing all kinds of stuff. I got to tell you, it was terrifying. When I, t- when I say terrifying, I remember they have a chimney. I know it's a Florida house, but they have a chimney. And I can hear the wind whooping up inside the chimney. And at one point, after I spent, I don't know, a whole day putting up shutters with my cousin George, at what point, at one point, I should say, the rain stopped and the wind stopped. So people started to walk out of their homes in this residential community to assess the damage. They didn't realize, of course, or they didn't pay attention. That's called the eye of the storm. You get a bit of a calm, and then uh, I'm still hearing all kinds of noise from that studio. I don't know why. I just heard Justin slam that door. So a guy walks out, literally my cousin's next-door neighbor, gets hit by a tree and dies. Come on. Right there. Oh, my God. No, he died right there. He walked out, and they kept saying, be careful. You know, you get this, like, lull of security because the eye comes through, the wind stops, the rain stops, sometimes the sun comes out. And then two seconds later, it's the worst part of the storm. And the guy died right next door. It was it was terrifying. I bet. Well, and you know when you have this sort of sustained winds, 130 miles per hour, there's you know there's it doesn't stop. And when the storm surge comes in, it can take over the furniture and sort of pin you against the wall. I mean, there's yeah. just one horror story after another of people getting trapped in their house amid the storm surge. That's why they beg people to leave. Yeah. The other big story, I guess, in the city is uh, the mayor Eric Adams and the governor. This is an old story. They've been fighting. For a couple of weeks, but I guess it came to a head yesterday. The mayor flat out saying the governor is wrong. The governor coming back and saying she's disappointed that the mayor has decided to point fingers. So I guess, Noam Layden, the adams Hokel war is real. Yeah. You know, they tried to play it off last week, if you remember, that there was nothing there. There was just, you know, some disagreements. But uh, the governor has seen her poll numbers uh, tank, uh, like 10 points just in the last three months. And so she's become very vocal on the migrant issue and has gone after the mayor in, in a couple different ways. Are they both right? Are they both wrong? From what you hear from the governor and the mayor, who do you seem to side with? See, for me, they're both wrong. I, I really can't stand to listen to either one. I really can't. When they talk, I just want to pull my hair out, and I'm bald. Do you have a preference as to who's doing a better job or who you'd rather hear from? Well, you even have the federal government saying they're doing a bad job, right? They got a letter <laughs> yeah. yesterday saying they're failing uh, their mission to house these migrants and that they've been offered these spots to house the migrants, and they haven't taken up the federal government on that. But... Uh, I'm not giving them any excuse, but when you have 100,000 people show up at your door in a matter of less than a year, it is chaotic, and trying to sort it all out is tough. Right. Um, But don't you think maybe welcoming them in the first place was a bad idea? Well, yeah, you know, when you make yourself a sanctuary city, this is the kind of thing you ask for. So that's exactly right. So all this, uh, and look, what you say, a lot of the liberals say, a lot of my friends who don't want to blame the mayor, say the same thing. The mayor calls Curtis Lee a buffoon. I'm sorry. Right now the mayor looks like a buffoon because right now he's overwhelmed, but for the longest time he was the head of the welcoming committee. I know we talked about this letter yesterday from the White House. We'll play one quick cut here. This is Mayor Eric Adams on the letter he received from the White House on his plan for the migrants. Lou Rafino, Eric Adams, cut number one. 
Any plan that once that states all migrants must stay in New York City, that's a failed plan. Any plan that does not include stopping the flow at the border is a failed plan. Stopping the flow at the border. Wow. How long have we been asking Eric Adams to A, call out President Biden, which he still hasn't done? He still hasn't done. He talks about the federal government. He talks about the White House. I am yet to hear him say, Joe Biden, help me. And how long have we been saying, hey, Eric, the problem starts at the border, which let me tell you is a Democrat policy because you can talk to your blue in the face. We had a Republican president for four years. His name was Donald Trump. He's going to be on this show coming up at 8.40 on Friday. We had none of these issues. None. He had remained in Mexico. He had Title 42. He was building a wall. We had none of these issues, which you've got right now between Biden and Mayorkas, two criminals. Congratulations, Eric Adams. He's able to say the word border. Are you shocked, No, A little, actually. Right? Yeah. I mean, we've only been saying to Eric Adams, that's the big problem. It starts right there at the border. Maybe call out Joe Biden one of these days. Big guest is coming up today, folks, as always, on a Wednesday morning. Curtis Lee was going to be here. He's out Maria Bartiromo this hour. Peter King, Nicole Maliotakis, Charlie Chase, and maybe Dr. Mark Siegel as well. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Natalie Merchant, 10,000 Maniacs, and me. Sid Rosenberg right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Happy Wednesday morning. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
Lewis. Yesterday, Michael Jackson's birthday was that. Is that right, Lewis? I wasn't uh, here, so. Yeah. So did you and uh, Curtis and Andrew celebrate Michael's birthday? Yes, we all um, <laughs> put on some feety pajamas and we rolled around. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of, you know, doing the white man's head bob back and forth. I got the overbite going, you know, the whole thing. And I go, man, I really like this song. And then, and we've talked about this before. Then this overwhelming guilt comes over me that he was sleeping with little kids. And then I just go right back and enjoy the song. It's fine. Yeah, then you got to just ignore <laughs> what he did. Well, the song That's is right. good. What do you, you know, one thing has nothing to do with the other. No? Well, somewhere you have to have a line. You know, every somewhere. stadium across America played Gary Glitter for years. And they, I, I think they might. No, they don't. Uh, I think they stopped it now. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've heard it in a while. <laughs> I think so they stopped it. Maybe I'll shut up. Let me wish uh, my good friend Scott Stanford. He used to do sports at uh, Channel 11, WPIX. Then they brought him over, I think, to Channel 5. And he was doing news, I think, with that uh, my friend Sookie in the morning. And then he had, like, no job. He was doing some for Cock the Podcast with Sookie, which I think he still does. But uh, he has been hired as the new morning anchor on 1010 Wins. Super. Yeah, my guy Lee Harris went to News Nation. Lovely. I actually worked one year doing sports with Lee Harris, Judy DeAngelis. I replaced Mark Ernay for one year. Ernay never forgave me for that. And and, uh, I left after one year, and, and they gave Ernay his job back. But Scott Stanford, the new morning anchor. 10-10 10-10 wins. That's he, a big deal. He's good, too. He's very good. Why very does good. he keep moving around? He's good. Well, I mean, Channel 11 had no money. Then he went to Channel 5, and they had no money. And then uh, now he's gone to 10-10 wins, and we'll see. I mean, he also does the WWE stuff, but he's very good. He's good-looking. He's glib. He's got a yeah, good costume, yes. sense of humor. Yes, I, I love Scott. Really I remember when we did the first Bernie and Sid comedy night. We did two of them. The second one was at the Hard Rock. But the first one was at that place on Park Avenue, Leslie Slender's place, uh, on the cutting room. And I remember the air conditioning was broken that night. It was late August, early September. It was like 5,000 degrees in there. I'm wearing a Joseph Abu jacket, sweating bullets, Bernie sweating, God rest his soul. And Scott Stanford, the Yankees are playing the Red Sox that night. And Scott was still doing sports. A WPIX, but he wanted to include me and Bernie because we offered him the, um, you know, the host gig. So he said, you can host this party tonight. Just make sure you find room for me and Bernie on the sports tonight. So he actually was asking me and Bernie about the Red Sox Yankees. Bernie had no idea. And, uh, even I had very little idea, but at least we were live from the cutting room. And he did a really good job. He hosted the event that night, introduced Jim Florentine and Jim Brewer and Ellen Karras and uh, Jackie Mortling, a whole bunch of famous comedians. I said, this guy's got some range. He's pretty good. So congratulations to Scott Stanford, 10-10 wins anchor. Excellent hire by my dear friend Chris Olivero. Traffic is coming up next. Don't forget, Curtis will be here at 710 But it is Wednesday. That means it's time for the Tunnel to Towers update. The New York City 5K is just around the corner. I'm not sure if Danielle is running that. But Frank Siller, my good buddy, the CEO, he's going to tell us some more about it, the 5K. Good morning, Frank. (laughs) I said, 
This is our marquee events. Everything we do all year round, we deliver so many houses, we pay off mortgages for our great heroes, but we bring everybody together every year. The last Sunday in September, this year, is September 24th. It started on one-year anniversary of 9-11. We had a couple of hundred great people join us, and now it's the most patriotic 5K event in America. Over 30,000 participants join us every single year. And, of course, the course retraces my brother's Stephen's final heroic footsteps where he ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel to the tower where he gave up his life while saving others. We honor not just Stephen, but all the 2,977 souls we lost that day, firefighters, law enforcement, and, of course, civilians who just went to work and just and, and never came home. As well, we honor all those who died of 9-11-related illnesses and those who have given their lives in the global war on terror. Registration is still open, so go to T2T.org. Hey, I know you're going to be there with your 77 WABC team, and I can't wait to see you. They said, I think you're going to run, but in any case, I can't thank you enough. God bless you. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to run, Frank. I've got a hamstring issue. Put it against the Jets back in 93. <laughs> but I'll be there. It's a great event, and you're a great American. I can't believe I was thinking about this yesterday because for me this year, 9-11, the Jets play the Bills, you know, Monday night, and I'll be there the night before, 9-10, for the Giants and the Cowboys. But, folks, we are now just 12 days away from the 22-year commemoration of 9-11. And I was talking about it two days ago, right before Joyce Kaufman came on, that glorious morning. And I remember parking my car and that character in the parking lot who sounded like Bruno Kirby. Oh, my God. I was just thinking of him already. <laughs> yeah. Well, you think the Mets, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think, I, I think this time, yeah. That was yeah, him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's, that's it. him. Following you down And he the wouldn't block. leave me alone. No, he follow you. Follow me because the Giants lost to the Broncos the night before. And it was a gorgeous blue sky, and I was late for a change. And Imus was mad, you know, and I had to get back into the studio. Wait, wait and... I, I, I don't know. I did a couple of passes. You think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I keep coming back. Yeah, don't you think? You think I'm like, so, I got to yeah? go. I got to go. Imus is going to kill me. Oh, yeah, that's right. I know you got to go. Yeah, listen, you're on the show. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, You know what yeah. do today? Uh, <laughs> that's a great impression. <laughs> Leading up to this uh, 5K1, go back, Justin. I know we play it every year, 9-11. We'll do it again this year. But for today, go back and find the audio when me and Charles are talking to Don about the Giants and Broncos when that first plane hits, when Mark Chernoff comes on and goes, I think a plane just hit the World Trade Center. Warner's on the phone. No, that was the second one. Oh, okay. The first one, Chernoff just alerted us. We thought it was like a private plane. Warner called in after the second one and said, I think we're under attack. Yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. thanks, Frank. Never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate just $11 a month. Do that today at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. This is Sid on Sports. Oh Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom-of-the-hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers out in Detroit. The Yankees once again took care of the Tigers this time by a score of 4-2 in the second of four last night. Libertores 
got things going early for New York with a solo shot in the first to give them a lead. They wouldn't surrender. Kyle Hagashioka and Anthony Volpe also homered for the Yanks, who have now won consecutive games for the first time in four weeks. Tonight, the Bombers will try and knock the Tigers off again in Game 3 to take the series. First pitch is set for 6.40 p.m. Eastern Time. Garrett Cole is tabbed for the start against a starter that is yet to be named for Detroit. Out in Queens, the Mets ended up on the other end of the spectrum yet again, falling 2-1 to one in Game 2 of 3 against the Texas Rangers with the New York Bats catching a cold for the second consecutive night. It was Texas's Mitch Garver who broke a scoreless tie with a solo shot in the seventh. That was ultimately enough to bury the Mets, who will see if they can bounce back in the finale with Texas set for a 6.40 p.m. first pitch tonight. Denny Reyes will take the hill against Texas's Dane Dunning. And staying in Queens, Tennis's U.S. Open continues today after round one of the men's and women's tournaments wrapped up yesterday. Both slates get underway later on this morning at 11 a.m. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, pavilion to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Who are these grown men who wear uh, football jerseys? I mean, it's embarrassing. You know, my dad's been cooking out there in the parking lot for about 15 years at Giant Stadium. Comes out there with the jersey ready to go, the big giant sweatsuit. Oh cooking eggs in the morning. He's a mental patient. Absolutely. Yeah. It's my father, though. He's, he's been doing that for a long time. He's a mental patient. All my family likes to do stuff like that. I mean, that's what you do on Sunday. You get up early and you get some bagels and you put the you put the jersey on. You get out to the parking lot. You party all day with the fans. You win the ball game. You go more drinking and steaks in the parking lot to go home. That's a day of football. That's the way it's supposed to be. I used to go with a bunch of cops out to uh, out to the Shea Stadium back in the whenever it was. To see the Jets, and that's all we do. We get drunk in a parking lot, and uh, screaming and hollering at everybody, starting fights. And uh, when, uh, about halfway through the game, I'd pass out, and uh, it was a nightmare. That sounds like a great time. I wish I was there for those days. You know, uh, MSNBC has just flashed on my screen. It looks like there is a a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. That is the actual audio from that morning, almost 22 years ago. This song, Let's Roll, by the great Neil Young, was actually written for those brave souls who helped take that plane down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, United Flight 93. So we kind of put those uh, two things together. That was the actual audio and, um, you know, the whole 5K run and thinking about Frank Siller's brother who ran through the battery tunnel with 60 pounds 
with stuff on his back and running up the stairs. And it was just an unbelievable time in this city. I, You know, my daughter is 19, Ava, and my son, Gaby, is 14. And they've seen the videos a thousand times of the planes hitting the buildings. But it is, it is virtually impossible to really get through to my kids just how crazy, not just that day, but months after, even two months after when we did a show from the Intrepid and that plane crashed where I live now. I mean, how ironic is that? That plane crashed five blocks from where I live right now. And I told you this story many, many times. I was, at the time, was on the phone with Tom Ridge, who was the head of Homeland Security, and I whispered into Imus's ear, you got to let this guy go, another plane is down. And we thought for sure, oh, my God, two months later, another terrorist attack, because we really thought they weren't done. Even George Bush, that Yankee Diamondback World Series guy standing in front of Yankee Stadium with guns and rifles, and it was just nuts. It was nuts. 22 years ago, like yesterday, Lou, like, no, what were you doing that day? Where were you working? I was at this uh, dinky little station in Wayne, New Jersey, and um, I was on the air, and Deborah Valentine actually handed me a piece of paper. What, is that the lady you had fired here? Or no, I didn't, no, but it is the same woman, yeah. Yeah, but you got to fire her. Yeah. <laughs> she you actually me a, fired her, actually, I think. She handed me a piece of paper that <laughs> I said... I believe you actually sat down with her and said, we no longer need your services. <laughs> so she handed me a piece of paper. <laughs> you are the guy, weren't you? What was the worst day for her? I didn't 9-11 get... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about it, damn it. I'm sorry. Yeah, you finished the story. I'm sorry. Yeah. She's probably gladly go back to that day right now. Yeah, right she now. might. She was working that day. At least. So was you and Deb. Oh yeah. God. This is before you fired her. Go ahead. Right. She, yeah. handed, she handed me the piece of paper that, you know, the, the plane had gone into the first building. And, uh, you know, then from there, of course, it, we yeah. we now know so what happened. Clearly, but. you carried resentment for about that for like 15, even 17 years. <laughs> I'll get back at you for this, Deb. Um, wow. That is crazy. The two of you were there together. Yeah. And ended up in a, a legendary station like this. I brought her to the legendary oh, station. Oh, you brought her? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, there. Wow. So you're responsible for hiring her and firing her. <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> you know, uh, on a serious note, though, with the, the border being open does leave us open for another attack. How many of these people that come across are terrorists? I don't know. I don't know the answer. We talk a lot about drug dealers and cartel members and obviously... With all the fentanyl deaths, can't talk enough about that. It is it is horrendous. But how many of these folks are terrorists? I don't know. So Mayorkas is the guy that is in control of that. Homeland Security, he's the man in charge of the border. And you may remember this, but um, earlier this year, when he was asked about the border, Mayorkas said, don't you worry, it's closed. In fact, let's play that, Lewis. Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, cut number eight, lying, just flat out lying to the American public. The border is not open. Yes, it is. We will continue to fully enforce our immigration laws in a safe, orderly, and humane manner. This lying son of a bitch lied there, and then to make it worse, last year, you can't mess this up. I make this up. Who did he blame for the, the border mess? The one guy who didn't have a mess, as we keep saying. The last president before Biden, Donald Trump, 
Listen to this nonsense. Mayorkas, cut number nine. We inherited a broken and dismantled system <laughs> that is already under strain. Begging you. It is not built to manage the current levels and types of migratory flows. Only Congress can fix this. Yet we have effectively managed an unprecedented number of non-citizens seeking to enter the United States and interdicted more drugs and disrupted more smuggling operations than ever before. I got to tell you, impeachment, not nearly enough of this guy. This guy needs to go to prison. Remember, we used to scream, lock her up about Hillary Clinton. I don't believe there's anybody outside of Biden more worthy. I mean this of prison time than Mayorkas. But Biden, who's also a criminal and corrupt, for some reason, for some reason, he wanted to thank Mayorkas yesterday. Thank him. This guy is responsible for so many deaths. He makes Andrew Cuomo look like Mother Teresa. But Biden wanted to thank him, but here's the problem. He forgot his name. (laughs) This is Joe Biden, cut number 22. Secretary of Homeland Security, a guy who took the job. uh, Thank you for taking the job, pal. (laughs) He don't know his name. A guy that took the job. Thank you for taking the job, pal. (laughs) You know who knows his name? Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz was yelling yesterday, impeach him, impeach Mayorkas, cut number 11. I believe the House should impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, for opening up our borders and creating creating the greatest humanitarian history, disaster in our history. He's 100% right. He's 100% right. So while Eric Adams... Certainly deserves deserves a blame in this city. Kathy Hochul certainly deserves blame in this state. Joe Biden certainly deserves blame. Mayorkas, right there with them, at the very, very top. At the very, very top, Alejandro, as Bo Dito says, Mayorkas. Go directly to jail. Do not collect $200. See ya, Biatch. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends. How many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. So, my schedule today is a lot like yesterday. Yesterday, I took the day off on the radio show. And I went to the gym when it first opened at 6 o'clock, got a good pump in, and made my way to East Chester at 8 o'clock in the morning. But I uh, didn't want to miss another day. So I came back in today, Trump coming on on Friday, you know, the whole thing. But I do have to leave right after the show today and go right back to East Chester for another day of filming. But uh, as it turns out, at one point last night, 
somebody was talking to me, very famous actor, and I couldn't hear a word he was saying. And I said, oh, no, oh, no. It always seems to be the most inopportune time when my hearing aid goes south. Now, thank God, only my left ear went out last night, so I can still hear fine out of my right ear. This happens all the time because it's my fault. They say the same thing. Come back every six weeks. They work fine. I forget. It's been two and a half months since I had these things replaced. So right now I can only hear out of one ear. So I have to run right after the show. I mean, no commercials. Don't bother me today. If you're listening, Bavona, Libertini, see you next week. I got to run to Dr. Shelley Borgia and get my new hearing aids and then go back to Eastchester. That is a gorgeous area. You know, Eric Adams was saying that uh, New York City is back. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. It's a mess. Our coffee maker is broken in the studios. You can't make it up. No Keurig. Can't even make it up. So I had a walk this morning at 5.30 a.m. Risk my life. I don't care how muscular I am. I had to risk my life at 5.30 this morning to walk to Dunkin' Donuts on 2nd Avenue. And all I saw was garbage, three or four people that were high from the night before, two guys with their trucks on the corner trying to sell bacon and egg sandwiches. It was gross. When Eric Adams says the city is back, what city is he talking about? But you go up to some areas in New York, it really is gorgeous. So, for example, I went, um, I was in Scarsdale, I guess, New Rochelle. Eastchester, went past the school, Iona Prep. What a gorgeous, gorgeous area. Homes are beautiful. Yeah. Green foliage everywhere. Reminded me a lot of when I lived in Tenafly, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, Scarsdale's 20 minutes from where I grew up. And beautiful you grew up in Chappaqua. Yeah. It is a lovely area. Scarsdale's really nice. Really nice. Very rich people live in Scarsdale. Yes. Yeah. Very white people. Yes, very, 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 very white. <laughs> I didn't see any black people till I got to my actual shoot. Yeah. But I'll be back there today, and as I said, I walked in my house midnight last night. It'll be the same tonight. I'll finally get some sleep, I guess, tomorrow. And then Donald Trump coming up at 840 on Friday. Okay, hour number one in the books. Great to be back. We open hour number two with the man who, when you go to the dictionary and look up the word buffoon... According to Eric Adams, you're going to see his picture. My guy, Curtis Sliwa, starts hour number two right after Noam with the news. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Anytime you start out a question with the name Curtis Sliwa, that in itself states that it would do a disservice to me and other New Yorkers for me to even respond that. Curtis Sliwa? I mean, I mean, if you go look in a dictionary for the word buffoon and tell me what picture you come up with. Is it getting better? Or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier?
She's allowed in Scarsdale, by the way. She's allowed. (laughs) This is uh, one, happens to be one of my former partner, Bernie McGurk's favorite songs. An artist gone almost a year. I think October 5th was the date we lost him. We've got a big, big event coming up next Thursday, September the 7th. Happens to be the same night of the Trump Giuliani fundraiser. And I've been invited to both, of course, because I'm a mega superstar. But I'm not going to pick anything over our station's event. Cousin Brucey, my guy John Katsimatidis, Cipriani's, it's going to be lovely. And um, I've been told by our dear friend Chad Lopez that Bernie's family, his beautiful wife Carol, his children, I doubt his, his uh, new grandson Colin, but the family will be there, and we are doing something in Bernie's honor that night. You remember last year, the 100-year anniversary party, I said something about Bernie, he was still alive, so, um, anyway, good job by WABC, John, Margot, Chad. We'll once again uh, honor my friend Bernard, who's gone almost a year. That song goes out to you. So you did hear Eric Adams call my living dear friend Curtis Sliwa a buffoon. Curtis gets big ratings, folks, every weekday, noon to one. Big ratings every weekend doing the overnights and arguably does his best work. He says he does right here with me about this time every weekday morning. He's an icon. He's a legend. He's become, he has been for years, but now really officially the voice of New York. And as far as I'm concerned, he's the mayor of New York, my good friend Curtis Sliwa. Good morning, Curtis. It's a lousy morning, another morning in which we see the three stooges fighting one another, Mo, Larry, and Curly, right? Eric Adams, it's Hoku, Hoku, it's Joe Biden, and they're all... And and, and notice Mayorkas, this pisher, this schmendrick, this schmuck, this putz, this little guy of no consequence, pimp-slapping our governor and our mayor. And did they respond? No. Here's Hoku today. I'm getting on Amtrak. I'm going to go meet with the chief of staff of Joe Biden. Stop the sanctuary crap. Just say we're no longer a sanctuary state, no longer a sanctuary city. Said there is no law. There's absolutely nothing in in legal law that defines us as a sanctuary city. See, he says that's not true. Well, let him show us the passage, this site. Now, you can make the argument the right of shelter, you know, because it's a mandate, a court mandate that unfortunately Ed Koch agreed to that will last in perpetuity unless you can get it uh, reviewed and appealed. But there is no law that says sanctuary state or sanctuary city. I dare them now. They're listening in City Hall. You malign me. You attack me. You can't punch up because you're afraid of Biden. You can't punch up because you're afraid you lose money from the state. So what do you do? You punch down and you call me a buffoon. Hey, swagger man, you got no plan. No plan but to destroy this city that we all love, and we're not going to let you do it. I got to tell you, I remember saying this to another politician. Maybe it was Rudy. 
I actually said to Rudy once after his indictment, I'm kind of jealous. I don't want to be indicted, don't get me wrong, but the fact that somebody hates you that much, for you, when the mayor, Eric Adams, not only talks about you, but if you listen carefully to that audio, his voice was quivering. You are so in his head. You are renting penthouse space in the mayor's head a full year plus, two years plus, before the next election. I'm sorry, Chris. Let us give you a Sid, major erection. Sid, can I hear it again? It's like smelling salts <laughs> in okay? hey, It's like Viagra. His, his voice it's, was quivering. Play it again. Please, and, please. It's like Cialis. It's like Lamicha. But listen carefully. It's not like he just said, uh, Curtis, he's a buffoon. His voice starts to quiver. He was about to start to cry. That's how my man Curtis Sliwa is in the mayor's head. Here's Eric Any, Adams. Anytime you start out a question with the name Curtis Sliwa, that in itself states that it would do a disservice Watch, to listen. me and other New Yorkers for me to even respond that. Curtis Sliwa? I mean, I mean, <laughs> if you go look in a dictionary for the word buffoon and tell me what picture you come up with. I got to say, right now, yours, Eric, not Curtis. Well, you know, he ought to know. How many times have I scrapped with Bo Dito, who is at the point of just, like, losing, and Peter King? I know how to get into somebody's head. I know how to get under their skin. Somebody down at City Hall, instead of calling here every day and say, fire Curtis Slee. Are they still doing that every day? Every freaking day. (laughs) Go ahead. Knock yourselves out down there. Why don't you do your job? let Let me just say this right now. Were you just saw Maria Bartiromo? Yes. How did that go? It was like Brooklyn, Brooklyn. It was I know, like... I love her. I love her. You know, my uh, my friend Gary Hanna, whose father, Al Hanna, owned pastels. Yes. He was actually engaged to Maria many, 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 many years what, ago. When she went to Fontamont? Yes. Yeah. Wait, she was <laughs> underage. We were, were at Polly. We were at Polly. No, it was, it was at it was at oh, okay. it was all right. So no, she's a, when you scrape away the facade, she's a Brooklyn girl through and through. Oh, so I love naturally, her. I meet her, and it's it's like it's all out Brooklyn. Of course, it's Bainbridge and Canarsie. Yes, but if God, for, it would never happen because John Katzmatidis loves you. Now he's smart, and he has to appease everybody, so he'll say something nice to them. But if it ever got to the point, God forbid, where anything happened to you, even a suspension, I'm walking out. No, no. Well, look, this is I'm a, this walking is, out. This is our agreement. No, that's it. Sid. I'm walking out. You know, I walk the tightrope. I come on your show and I always reveal new information. Snug Harbor on Staten Island. Snug Harbor, the cultural center, uh, the the crown jewel of Staten Island, is now uh, in target number one of City Hall to put illegal aliens in. Snug, Snug Harbor? Harbor. Snug Harbor, which is one of the most gorgeous places you'd ever want to be. It used to be the uh, retirement home for for merchant seamen. And that's where my dad would take me as a kid to talk to all the old merchant seamen before they moved the retirement home to North Carolina. They turned it into a cultural center. I would advise everyone go there. They're not moving them in. We're going to bring 18-wheel tractor trailers, trucks. Uh, We're going to surround Snug Harbor. I am the leader of the rebels. Let the politicians do what they have to do. Let the lawyers do what they have to do. I am the rebel leader. Are you getting tired, though? I mean, you look at uh, the last couple of weeks, and again, your work is nothing short of heroic. But you've been arrested three times, three times. And you don't get any sleep, and then you go to jail for like uh, seven hours, and you go home for 90 minutes, come in, do the show with me. 
do your own show. You're not a baby anymore. I mean, do, are you getting tired? Did of... you see me out in the streets? Did you see me no, scuffling and scrapping? I, I know. Did I look like a 69-year-old? It was wild style, Brooklyn style. You come for it, Antifa. Oh, no, no, no. You're not hitting these elderly people. Bang! Down they went. You know, for a guy that doesn't like Donald Trump, you're 69. He's now 77. Yes, yes. But both of you guys show more energy for your age, you and Trump, than any two people I've ever met. Well, it's New York. It's a, it's that New York energy. Is I that would what agree with you. I have a lot of Trump-like qualities. Yes, you do. And do you know the day, because well, I voted for Hillary Clinton, I fought yes. with Bernard for a full year. The day that I really became a Trump supporter was when Bernie looked at me and said, how can you possibly criticize him? You are him. That's true. Well, you so are. You. you have a lot of Trump-like uh, characters. I do, too. Now, remember, I didn't vote for the Democrats any time. I've had a love-hate relationship with Donald Trump that goes back 30 years. Good times and bad times. I want to see a primary. I want to see candidates. I want to see debates. I want to see if Joe Biden actually makes it. <laughs> because I'm looking at Harris, who is going to Santa Ria shops, Botanica shops, putting every conceivable curse in the world on Joe Biden. I'll get you, my little pretty. Uh, Santa Ria, let's put a curse on him. I'm just a heartbeat away from the presidency. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, you know this. You put Donald Trump in a room right now and you go, Mr. President, who do you agree with on the migrant scandal in New York? Curtis Sliwa? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. Or Eric Adams? One second he'd agree with you. There's no doubt. He goes, on this one, I give it to Curtis. Right. <laughs> but let me let me think about the next one. <laughs> he'd be thrilled to death. You actually had a rally outside the other uh, mansion. So, all right. So, uh, you did Staten Island three or four times, St. John's Villa Academy, the, Queens, uh, a lot in Queens, a lot obviously. Of Queens, Creedmoor, Brooklyn. We got the, we got the big one, uh, Floyd Benefield. And let's not forget Fort Tilden. I got to keep reminding pil- uh, people that's on the federal list, Fort Tilden. Remember, my orcas yesterday, listen, he said, we gave you 12 sites. People just skirted over that because they started scrapping like the Three Stooges, <laughs> Mo, Larry, and Curly. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Mallorca's pimp-slapping the oh. mayor. I mean, this guy is like, he could be somebody's Maytag. Oh. And Eric just took it. Come on. Fight he, back. No, no, no. No, he, he can't do it. He wants He wants to be president. I he still he thinks he's going to be president. I, I, I know that. We all know that. So so Floyd Benefield, yes. where we had two rallies last week, one at Floyd Benefield, one at Toys R Us. Uh, it seemed uh, fait accompli that it was going to be 2,000, then 8,000, then back to 2,000. But no one's there yet. Do you know what no. the latest is? No, 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 no. And I'm doing the deep dive on that. After Labor Day, I'll have a much better idea. But I'm telling you, this time it isn't symbi- simply kumbaya, we get together signs. No, we bring in the tractor trailers. We bring barricades in. We bring blockades in. No, no, no. We got to show them. No way. We, you want to keep entire police precincts here 24 hours a day? You want to tie up government? You're running out of money because you're catering and kissing the ass of these illegal aliens? Guess what? We will bleed you fiscally. We will make you pay. You don't mess with Staten Island. You don't mess with Brooklyn. And you don't mess with Queens because you don't understand. You're not from those areas. We Look, these people have already decided to improve, not to move. They could have moved to Florida 
Even in the hurricane, some of them are talking about, <laughs> let's move to Florida. They could have moved out of here a long time ago. And I'm sure husbands and wives are fighting with one another right now. I told you, uh, Angie, I told you we should have left. You wanted to be with your mother and your sisters. Look at it. What a mess now. And Angie's saying, hey, shut the hell up. Yeah. I remember you and your gumat. Did I forgive you, huh? Do I have to bring that up? You know, there are going to be fights like that in every household. Of course. But I'm going to rally them up. Good old Brooklyn style, the way we grew up, and say, no way. Would you be willing this morning, the man that called you a buffoon, which I must say was very immature and uh, very childish, very childish. Well, wait a second. He beats being called a racist. That's (laughs) typically what he does. But he already called you that, too. Oh, wait. He called me a racist, misogynist, sexist, homophobe, and uh, xenophobe. Only four of those things are true. But... But a serious note, uh, he did say yesterday two things. He did mention the border. I've never heard him say that word before, but he didn't know it. And he did call out Honko for not taking more of the illegals, not migrants, not asylum seekers, illegals to upstate New York. Will you give him a modicum, a modicum of credit for those two statements? He can kiss my ass. Yeah! What are you talking about? No, no, no. We have friends upstate. We have friends in the Mid-Hudson Valley. We have friends in Suffolk and Nassau, although I'm always fighting with them. They're our friends. Why should they have to do with our misery? This is like me, Les Miserables. Put up the barricades. Barricade us in. Escape from New York, right? (laughs) This is like Kurt Russell. Barricade us in because he wants to make our problem their problem. No, 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 Eric Adams. You started this. When Abbott was pleading with you, please come to the border. See what I'm dealing with. See what Texas is dealing with. He said, you racist. We can do it better. We're the best sanctuary city in the world. And he said that. They get PlayStation 72-inch plasma TVs. They get conaros, trailers with chuletas, mafungu, mungu. We put them up in the Milford Plaza. The Paramount Hotel, the Watson Hotel. What? You're not happy? We'll find another place for you. Oh, the Holiday Inn right on Wall Street. Whatever you want, Pedro and Sylvia, you got it. Because eventually you'll be able to vote and you'll make me El Presidente. So you know what? I side with Upstate. I side with the Mid-Hudson Valley. I side with Nassau and Suffolk County. This is our problem, Eric Adams. You created this flotsam and jetsam. You better be the tidy bowl, man. Because we're stuck in the toilet because of you. Have you come here to play Jesus? To the lepers in your head. Where did I ask so much? More than a lot. You gave me nothing. Now we so
and friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this darkness. Can't feel nothing but this chain that blinds me. Lost track of how far I've gone. How far I've gone, how high I've climbed. On the backs of 60 pound stone. On the shoulder, half mile of line. Come on. Bucks have been invited by a guy I like a lot. I love him, actually, Tim McCarthy. I don't know if you know him, Lou, but you you do know Timmy. He was a PD here for a while, but he actually created ESPN in New York. And when that station started, I used to go to Lee Davis and Mark Turnoff and go, listen, at best, I'm fourth. I'm never going to be Imus or Mike and the Mad Dog. So even if you had me, let's say, in the hierarchy above Beningo or Summers, at best, I'm going to be fourth. I got to go. I got to go. So ESPN is starting a new station in New York. And um, Tim McCarthy, I forgot how, maybe it was Mark Lepselter, my old agent, set up a conversation with me and Timmy. And I believe I was one of the first two or three people they interviewed to potentially host Afternoons, day one. ESPN Radio in New York, and I think the other guy in the room who turned out to be such a dick, and to this day I don't like him, was a guy named Phil Boyce. <laughs> and this fat bastard, I mean, all he did was give me a hard time. What makes you think you guy go, what, what, who the ep are you? <laughs> oh, my God. I remember, I, I walked no. out, I, I go to McCarthy, who's this jerk-off you've got in a, come on, man, he, come on. He is a jerk-off. Okay. Well, I, I think I've seen him once or twice since. Oh, no, I Speaking can tell at the you. talkers' convention, no, I don't know. No, I can tell you awful Oh, no, things. you know what's funny about that is I didn't know him. I hated him that day. And in the last, I don't know how many years, that may have been 20 years ago, a thousand people have told me they hate the guy. He's not a good guy. All right. Well, why why, good... why know him specifically? What, because, Noam... because Noam remembers him. Well, he was bad to you, Noam, too? Not to me, but I saw what he did to other people. Yeah. I watched him berate people in no. a group meeting. No. Well, he hated me. That, that interview, he, he, I had no chance. He hated all of us. I know. He hated the whole morning show because we came in. He couldn't wait to talk to Keith Olbermann for that job. That's all you need to know. So. Smarmy. Prick. He's a prick. Jerk. Yeah. Oh. So McCarthy is, but McCarthy is a complete antithesis of that. He's a wonderful, oh. beautiful guy. He is a great man. Great guy. Great man. And listens to this show every day, even when he was working at ESPN. And he had those awful morning shows. He was listening to me. <laughs> I mean, wasn't listening to Keyshawn Johnson, I can guarantee you that, you know. So he's got his uh, big golf tournament coming up on 9 11. Well, you know, the night before, I'm going to be at the Giants Cowboys game. And uh, I'm not going to Brooklyn this year, first time in four years, the Wall of Remembrance. And then 9-11, uh, you know, i got other events I've been invited to, but I'm going to go to McCarthy's golf event because I love Timmy. It just makes for a very, very busy couple of days. But i got to do it, right? 9-11, Tim McCarthy golf event, I'll uh, I'll be out there for that. 
And the song that was uh, you just played, The Rising, Springsteen wrote that album after 9-11. In fact, the song I think that rang true for most people was City in Ruins because our city was basically in ruins after that day. And it's, it's odd because I've been on the air for about 94 minutes this morning, and I probably made about five 9-11 mentions. I know it's Frank Seller Tunnel to Towers Day, but, again, when you consider we're just 12 days away from the 22-year commemoration, it just freaks me out, man. Bo Deedle has called me about a 1,000 times. I have no idea what he wants. But, oh, he sent me a picture. Oh, look at this. Bo just sent me a picture of the tents on Randall's Island taken from his apartment here in New York City. My God. Well, it's a complete mess. It's all a mess. I mean, and 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 Noam has given me no reason this morning, no good news at all, to make me feel like it's going to get better. All he does is say to me, every day you start to sound more and more like I miss. <laughs> you do. <laughs> well, why do you keep saying that? Well, you ask me, do I sound like I miss more and more, and you do. I do? Yeah. Give See, me one example. That's the answer he wants. No, yeah, too. I know. That's what he Shut up, Lou. There uh, you go, right there. That was it, it right there. Right again. You just did it. He Shut was, up, Lou. He didn't even realize he's doing it. That's how bad he's gotten. <laughs> what was that movie when, uh, remember when uh, Whoopi Goldberg jumped into Ted Danson's body? Maybe the Iron Man has done that. I don't know. And yet his wife, Deirdre, that bitch, she won't even talk to me. No one in the world talks about Don Imus. Nobody. Not even Deirdre, probably, or Wyatt. That's right. You're the most obsessed person with right. him. Right. Bring, I, him and Bernie come up almost every day. Say what you want about me. Sid's a narcissist. It's all about him. All that's true. And I do get the best <laughs> ratings by far, better ratings than any of those guys. But I bring up those guys every day. If he jumped into anybody's body, it's hers, because she looks exactly like him. I miss? Yeah. Oh, uh, his wife? She does now, yeah. Well, Trump looked like him on that uh, mugshot. Yeah. Know, but she's got, like, the haircut now going and everything. I know. She looks... She looks terrible. Well, that's how her mugshot's going to look when she finally <laughs> yeah. gets caught. But you saw the mugshot known with uh, Trump, and yes. then Rob Bartlett put up a picture of <laughs> Trump and Imus. It was almost identical, It was right? the same guy, yeah. Same guy. I think it's the eyebrows that uh, that does that, those uh, gray eyebrows. Anyway, uh, it is Wednesday. <laughs> if anybody's oh, white, obsessed I mean, with white. his eyebrows, too. It's fine. <laughs> you know, every inch. I'm not obsessed with them. I bring you, them up no. every now and then. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, every now and then, every day. You know what? I'm going to say it to you right now, you bastard. He's the last guy outside of Stern, outside of Stern, that is appointment radio. There's nobody on radio. T- I love John. I do love John at 5 o'clock. But there's nobody on his appointment radio that's funny and smart, has great guests, moves from topic to topic. Who else does that? You can hate the bastard as much as you want, but he's the last guy to do it I didn't before say us. Bad. I didn't say anything bad. I'm just I'm pointing no, out no, the no. fact. No, no, no. You hate his guts, um, and it just, it just comes through the, loud and clear. The fact that you shouldn't have gone on eBay and bought some of his underwear. I don't understand <laughs> why you to do that, but it's, it's to each his own. That's all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oh.
I forget this girl's name. She was married to Gavin Rosedale from Bush, and now she's married to Blake Shelton. I know the group is no doubt, but what's her name again? Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani. Yeah, never found her to be attractive. People love her. I don't get it, but she's a good singer. Yeah, this but, is a uh, remake, too, of another. Who? This song is a remake. Oh, who made it originally? Talk Talk. No kidding. Yes. I didn't know that. Did yes. she make a bunch of remakes? She made it sound like it's another one. Like, um, I, I, I imagine there's a couple. I mean, I don't know. I know their songs, yeah. but. She hasn't done much. Since she married Shelton, that's they did a nice duet together. But right. Well, this band was good. No doubt it was good. Yeah. Not no, but she had a lot of good solo hits. Oh, the song with yeah, the bananas. Oh yeah. Bananas. The banana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good song. Right. Banana. And then was that the same? Cool was a song I liked too. Anyway, she's she's a talented lady. She was pretty good on on. Come on, what's that for cocktail show? America's talent. No. America's got talent. No, she was on The Voice. Oh, that's right. Uh, the voice. voice. Voice, yes. That show, I, I, it was a time I didn't miss it. You remember I used to do updates for Imus? First on The Apprentice, The Real Apprentice, not the celebrity one that Bill Rancic won, and then The Voice. He used to watch it Monday nights. He got into it. It's been on for that long? Oh, my God, but forever. Oh, that's right, yeah. The forever. Voice has been on. So he would watch it, I'd watch it. He actually, uh, this is pathetic, but at the end of his career, he'd call me. I'm like, oh God, no! Please don't call me. <laughs> see yes. Blake Shelton tonight? No way! Oh, I didn't watch. That. I swear to God. <laughs> and then he would do. It would be the same lame thing. Blake Shelton would always fight with the kid from um, um, Maroon Five. Yeah, Adam that's Levine. Adam Levine, the unsexiest man in the world who was voted the sexiest oh, man in the world. God, yeah, he was like now a creep. Wait, about thirty pounds soaking wet with ninety thousand tattoos, tattoos, and people loved him. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. Tool, because well, he's, he's got pipes. Complete tool. What pipes? People love me because he sounds like a girl. I don't know. You think he's a great singer? Whoa! My wife thought she gets mad at me. My kids do too. But that's what girls like. They just I know. Like I mean, I like it. I like the songs. Like the songs are fun. They he's like these messed up. Guys, yeah, he's oh, he's like. so or, messed right, up. Messed right, up. Right, right. They yeah. love. Look at that. Uh, what's that other guy who is with uh, Megan uh, Fa, uh, Machine? Oh, Machine Gun, Gun Kelly. He's Please. a loser. That is the biggest a lo- mess. I called him. Yeah, I know. Being. I called him a loser oh. one time, and Danielle almost killed me. He, he goes, is. "I heard him on Stern. Yeah. He's been through so yeah. much. No, you have please. no idea." Uh, I'm telling you, I'm gonna And what about the other little jerk off who's with Stephen Baldwin's kid? Oh, Justin Bieber. Oh, well, yeah, but he's bigger than the both of them. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. My next guest is more famous than all of messed them. Messed up. She's more famous, and she's not messed up. Got a book right now that is doing really, really well. Name of the book is Super Moms Activated, 12 Profiles of Hero Moms Leading the American Revival. It's her second appearance with me, but I think I heard her a couple of weeks ago to Andrew Giuliani, and I like her, so I'm putting her back on. Is my friend Jacqueline Toberoff. Jackie, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I wish I was part of the other conversation. That was amazing with Adam Levine and who is he? Machine Gun Kelly? Yeah, that's why the show is number one. You realize that. I mean, everybody talks about Adams and Trump and Biden. After a while, it's like Charlie Brown. But that's why the show is number one, because we do stuff like that. You know that. Oh, so good. How's it going? (laughs) It's going good. But uh, the reason why I want you on is because... Well, we do a lot of Adam's talk, and I'm lucky enough to have Curtis Sliwa on every morning at 7, and he's the face, right? He's the face of our revolution. Whenever I hear you on talking about it, A, you've got some really good detailed information about the motivation, the agenda, and B, you're angry. And I want people to be angry. <laughs> I mean, you're like effing pissed. So tell me, you're not the only one. I think you sent me a stat this morning, Jackie, that says 82%, 82% of New Yorkers say that these guys are doing a horrendous job with the illegals 
and it's become a serious problem. Isn't that right? That is right. That's according to a Sienna poll. So I'm going to try to not be frothing at the mouth and just deliver this calmly. The bottom line is New Yorkers are united, no matter what our race, religion, uh, gender, there are only two genders, or socioeconomic background. 82% of us say that those here illegally, I'm trying to be PC about it, otherwise known as the illegals, are quote-unquote a serious You know, it's funny. You, You left out one group of those people. And I bring it up because at the rallies I did with Curtis, two of them in Brooklyn last week, one group on Thursday night in the Toys R Us parking lot on Flappish Avenue were well represented, believe it or not, Democrat politicians. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they're part of the problem and they're liars, but they were there. <laughs> you know, they have to be there. They have to be there because when you look at the numbers, Again, the Siena poll, which came out on August 22nd, it says 82% of us across every demographic, we have had it. We have absolutely had it. I think the uh, linchpin, the, the biggest problem was that Mayor Adams took away Randall's Island soccer space from the kids. And these are New York City kids, not suburban kids, who have already been you know, put through the ringer due to this. Uh, not only pandemic, but government's response to the pandemic. So parents have absolutely had it. I've seen you on Instagram. I've seen all of those protests in Staten Island. Uh, Nicole Maliotakis, Representative Maliotakis, is calling for Staten Island to break away from New York City only on account of Mayor Adams's fiasco yeah. with dealing yeah. with the yeah. illegals. Yeah, she's actually going to join me coming up live at 910 this morning. She's got a big press conference today. Uh, dealing with the um, city council race between her candidate Ari Kagan and uh, the very dangerous Justin Brannon out of Bay Ridge. But you're right. She's been asking to secede for a long time. So has Joe Borelli. So has Vito Bocella. Most of the major politicians, Republicans, on Staten Island want to secede. We'll get back to that. But you keep hearing from the governor and the mayor that we need to get these migrants working. Got to get them working. But you believe there's a more sinister reason why, don't you? What is it? A hundred percent. Everyone listening, we cannot ever allow the Democrats to gaslight us into thinking that illegals that they call migrants should be working and it will help the economy. It will hurt us. It might kill us. It will financially bankrupt us. Here is why. There is a workaround if the illegals that they call migrants, the migrant is someone looking for gainful employment. It's how they gaslight us. If the illegals are allowed to work, they are allowed to vote. And if they vote, they dilute our most sacred right, which is to vote. Imagine someone coming here from a foreign country that has zero ties, that sends their money back home, that is potentially a drug addict, uh, that is potentially a criminal, uh, voting in our elections for more free stuff from an administration that only wants to give them free stuff. You know, I was on, I don't know if it was News 12 or one of these uh, networks from one of the rallies. And the reporter said to me, because I was blaming Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the guy most to blame, Mayorkas and Hochul and Adams. And he said, well, why do you think they let him in? You know, now Adams is mad, but it's way too late for that. Who are you kidding? And I said, I'll tell you why. Votes. These people vote Democrat because they're sitting at the, uh, in El Paso right now wearing shirts about Joe Biden. And then they come to New York and they remember that it was Eric Adams who said, come one, come all. 
So now they feign this anger, they feign this horror, we can't do it anymore. But the truth is, they allowed this from the beginning because, to your point, these people generally are going to vote for them, not Donald Trump. They, they're fed propaganda. The second they get across that border, they're given pamphlets, they're given instructions, they're met by people, you know, uh, look, when they get to Manhattan and to New York City, they're met by people like Lincoln Ressler, one of our city council representatives. Right. Uh, they're, they're fed lies, and what they know is they are given free everything. They're given free things that New York City residents, the taxpayers, the citizens are not given, e-scooters, tobacco, Medicaid, legal aid, education, K through 12, university, higher education, um, clothing, cell phones. How many of your listeners get free stays at $400 a night Manhattan luxury hotels? This is outrageous. We yeah. can never yeah. let them. Well, I do because I'm a big star, but most people don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, you mentioned education. Uh, seriously, okay, aside. Uh, the education thing is a, is a huge issue. I was talking to some lady. She's a teacher. In Howard Beach, actually, about two weeks ago. And she said, yeah, these kids come in. They can't speak English. So right mm-hmm. off the bat, you have to hire somebody just to speak their language, just to get through the class. That's another added expense. Plus, they have a hard time, obviously, fitting in with the rest of the kids. So from an education standpoint, it's costly. It's uh, It fills up these classrooms. And it's costing the taxpayer a ton of money. So as a great mom, and your book is all about super moms being activated, the education part of this may be the worst, no? Uh, okay, let me let me blow your mind here. So as of last year, New York City taxpayers spent $28,000 per public school student annually because of the influx of illegals. New York City taxpayers now spend per public school student annually $38,000. No. $10,000. Yes. Come on, 38000 per kid? It is the highest in the nation. Now, ready for this, Sid? What's our prize? Prior to the illegals coming, when it was just 28000 our children were in the bottom half of the country for reading and writing. Here's another thing that's going to blow your mind. Eighth grade students here in New York City are not eighth grade level proficient in math. Wait for it. The illegal children that are coming in, in some cases, represent more than the citizens do in schools here. There are plenty of schools in Manhattan that have over 50% illegal children. Now, again, we've gone up $10,000 per public school student to pay for the illegals. We need all of these special services, uh, Spanish translators, English translators, et cetera. But there's another issue. There is sexual assault going on. When you import new cultures, you import new crimes. And because of the whole social justice take, they're not being reported. I have heard from friends that have kids in these public school systems. Uh, It is total mayhem. You have 15-year-old boys placed with much younger girls and younger classes in some cases. In other cases, they're sticking the kids that don't speak a word of English in the same uh, in a grade that corresponds with their age, it's holding back the entire grade that's already, again, behind. You know, last Thursday at this rally in Brooklyn, I was on stage. They, they built the stage. It's this, a lady, she's a Democrat, actually, Jamie Williams, assemblywoman out of Brooklyn, Jacqueline. She did a very good job, and she's on our side. 
So, you know, they, everybody speaks very nicely. Joanne Ariola, she's a Republican assemblywoman. She's full of crap. And Stacey Piper, a model who stole the election from my friend Tom Sullivan. She's really full of crap. And some other ladies actually left because they're afraid they're going to get booed. Some lady Mercedes, Mercedes Narcisse. I don't know these people are. So I get up on stage, and I'm Brooklyn all the way. I'm cursing, F this, F that. And at one point I said, get these people effing out of here. And I hear out of the right corner of my ear, I hear one of these ladies, one of these politicians go, he's so disgusting. And I turned around and looked at him, and I said, oh, really? I said, look, I don't really blame the illegals. If I was living in Honduras this morning and gangs were killing somebody outside my house, I'd come to New York, too. I really would. So I'm really blaming Adams, Hoke. I even yelled at people on Staten Island last weekend, don't yell at the migrants. Don't yell at them. It's, it's not their fault. But the truth is, I don't want them here. I don't blame them. I don't want them here. Does that make me disgusting? No, it doesn't make you disgusting. It makes you completely authentic and honest. 82% of us do not want illegals here. We don't want them in our streets. We don't want them in our fields. We don't want them in our schools. We don't want them in our wallets. Um, Look, the person that said you're disgusting, I will make a bet with you. She has not taken in one illegal to live with her. (laughs) She has not given up any of her salary on purpose that, you know, the tax man hasn't taken from her to give to illegals. Uh, let's let's do something on your show. Let's call for Mayor Adams to take in a family of unvetted illegals. Do you know at the Roosevelt Hotel, they are not screening for weapons, drugs, alcohol, or COVID. This is as chatter persists that they are bringing back the masks as well as annual COVID shots to children in New York City schools. Keep yep. that in mind, parents, yep. when you vote for city council in November. Well, you ran for uh, for office here, and I didn't know you then. Uh, if you ever decide to run again, I swear to you, you will get <laughs> you'll get an endorsement from me and more and more publicity on this show you could ever dream of. Now I mean it because we need people like you. You're smart and and you, you got balls. I mean, you're a woman, but you got balls, and uh, you speak for moms and dads like me. So, are you getting ready to maybe run again? I would love to run again, but I would only run in an area that I could win. I feel badly about taking people's money and then losing. But the other thing is, you know, you don't want to be a two-time loser. The alternative side, though, is I really think that people need to come out and run for offices that have traditionally only been sought after by Democrats. Because if you don't make them explain their message and and make them raise money, then it's just – there's nothing. Well, what that. what area are you talking about when you say you don't think you can win? Well, you ran last time. That's Manhattan. Where, where was that exactly? Yeah, I live in. So I'm in Lower Manhattan. That's District One. We have Christopher Marty. He's an activist who's achieved absolutely nothing. Um, he is a total wacko who believes in abolishing police. He believes in tearing down jails. He is 100% pro illegals. He's anti safety agents in schools. You know, this guy is like has no kids, will never have kids, has yeah. no family you yeah. know, that, that he supports, yeah. um, and gets, what, $150,000 to do absolutely nothing, while Lower Manhattan is in shambles. You well, know, gonna, the city is in well, shambles. You need to run there, even if you lose. I don't care. We'll make you win. I promise. I'll make okay, you I'm win. Okay, I'm going to run again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, take this okay. guy Chris off the streets. Don't you worry. <laughs> I know a lot of people. I'm doing it again and you and curtis are going to come that's it no i'm serious we will we will be more than happy to the very first day you announce it go out there and announce it alongside with you because and i love lower manhattan i don't know if you're talking about five die battery park uh, the village it's all there 
Oh, it's down there. there. It's everything. District 1 is everything below 14th Street. Right. We got to fix that. We got to fix that. These losers got to get out. Uh, for folks who want to buy Super Moms Activated, what's the best way to do it? Okay, please buy Super Moms Activated, 12 Profiles of Hero Moms, leading the American Revival online only at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Guys, I really need you to buy this because the Teachers Union, 1.7 million members, is buying Gender Queer, and you need to be prepared wow. for what's coming. This will help you fight back. Oh, my God. You are, you're a rock star, Jackie. Great job here today. Thank you so much. You're great. We'll do it again very soon. Thanks. Amazing. Thank you. You got it. Jacqueline Toberoff. Got a lover. I want to run. I mean it. We'll help her take back lower Manhattan. I lived in Battery Park. I lived in Fidei. I did drugs in the village. <laughs> Let's take it back. Hour three coming up. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. The back and forth continues over New York's migrant crisis. Mayor Adams again criticizing Governor Hochul for not doing enough or more for New York City. It is a war of words lately between the mayor and the governor and some blistering criticism today coming from the mayor who says if the federal government is offering locations outside the city to house migrants, he is going to send them there whether the governor likes it or not. I think the governor's wrong. She's the governor of the state of New York. New York City is in that state. Every county in this state should be part of this. Any Anytime you start out a question with the name Curtis Sliwa, that in itself states that it would do a disservice to me and other New Yorkers <laughs> for me to even respond to that. Curtis Sliwa? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you go look in a dictionary for the word buffoon yeah. and tell me what picture you come up with. <laughs> Renewed warnings about COVID as cases mount a resurgence. New York Governor Hochul announced steps to protect New Yorkers against an uptick in cases. Right now, labs are monitoring samples for the new variant BA286. The health commissioner says it was recently detected in New York sewage. N95 masks and test kits are still available for all state and county officials and all New Yorkers. According to the CDC, COVID hospitalizations have gone up nearly 19% in the last two weeks. The increase went from 12,000 to 15,000 weekly hospitalizations. Look, the president says this all the time. Watch him, right? Watch him. And he, uh, he I've, I've They had are watching him. That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. This is 77% who are concerned. No, no, no. But I've, I've had conversations with some of your colleagues in the White House press corps when we travel abroad, how it is hard for us to keep up with this president. If you look at all the information we've been able to gather so far, it is a natural step forward that you would have to go to an impeachment inquiry. 
We need you to win this. Not a bigger supporter than me right here. And there's a lot of folks in New York City, President Trump, that love you still. I walk by your, your place of residence on Fifth Avenue almost every day. See your name all over the city. I know you live in South Florida, but you'll always be a great New Yorker to a lot of us here. So continued success. Please come back again because I want to help you get back to where you belong, Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, I appreciate it. And you are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend. And just take care of yourself, and we'll speak to you again soon. Let's dance in sky and let's dance for a while. Heaven can wait, we're only watching the skies. Hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. Are you gonna drop the bomb or not? Let us die young or let us live forever. We don't have the power, but we never say never. Sitting in a sand pit, life is a short trip. The music's for the sad man. Can you imagine when this race is won? Turn our golden faces into the sun. Raising our leaders, we're getting in tune. The music's played by the, the madman. Classic, Forever Young. There was a movie years ago with uh, Kirk Cameron. What was the name of the show he was in? It was a good show on TV. I always get it confused with Family Ties, but that was Michael J. Fox. Growing Pains. Growing Pains. Very good. Thank you, Lewis. Yeah, no problem. That's why I'm here. Uh, I believe Alan Thicke played his father in that. And I'm going to go with Meredith Baxter Bernie as the mother. No. That was wrong? That was Family Ties? Yes, that's Family Ties. Michael Gross was the father in Family Ties. But I'm right. Alan Thick was the father in Growing Pains. Yes. Okay. Missed, I missed the... Who was the wife? Joanna Kearns. Oh, very good. You're right. Yes. Now, what about... I'm right behind um, you and I. What about Bateman's sister? Was she in one of those? Or? Justine? Yeah. Yeah, she was in Family Ties. Family Ties. Okay. Right. I, get, I get so confused. But there was a movie with Kirk Cameron, whose sister is hot, Candace... Candace... Bure, she married Pavel Bure, the hockey player. Did she, did, is that right? Yeah, oh, no, not Pavel, his brother, yeah. Valerie. Va- Valerie, Valerie Bure, Bure. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I don't think it was Pavel. But he was in a movie where he was on, on a debate team, and they used this song in the movie. I forgot the the, uh, the name of the movie. Uh, you got now you've look it up, Kirk Cameron. Okay. Before you do that though, I think, uh, <laughs> and, and I want you all to listen here, Noam and Justin and, and Lewis, because I brought this up about two hours ago when I was still receiving message after message. Thank God you're back. I didn't have to add that, but I felt like I wanted to. So I brought this up about two hours ago, and that is that you heard President Trump there. That was from our May 11th conversation. And for the second time in three months, he's coming back. So now you know those guys that Trump goes on all the time, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin. I'll give Craig Kelly credit. You know, not on the station, usually Newsmax, but, but he's on with Greg quite a bit. But I'm one of those guys now. I am a Trump. Lara says his daughter-in-law, he loves me. So I get an email last night from Margot Morton, who is uh, Trump's secretary in the office. And she always sends out this email. It's, it's a formality. And she'll ask, you know, what topics, 
President Trump's excited to come on on Friday. He said, what do you want to talk about? And I'm, you know, I'm, I got a lot going on here. You know, I'm back on the set of something today, and I'm hosting the radio show, and I got to go to the ear doctor. I got a lot going on. And I decided to farm out that responsibility to somebody else whose name is also on the email. His name is on the email, and that is Justin Ellick. She sends these emails to Sid Rosenberg and Justin Ellick. So I decided to farm it out to Justin and allow him to correspond with Trump's secretary about the topics and discussion on Friday. And and now that I've done that, and this is not even close to being a shot at you, Justin, not even close, but now that I've done it, I rue the day I did. I, I am absolutely terrified that you said something that is so dumb that he's going to cancel. Well, what could I have said? I just made a list of the topics. I, I just don't. Maybe the way you wrote it, you, you went to that stupid college of grammar. I don't know. I just. Yeah. I mean, Noam was laughing, but I, I'm, I'm, I swear to God, I'm terrified. Well, it's one of the best liberal arts colleges in the country. but other It than is? That, yeah. What school is it? Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's a lie. Now, that's a lie. That's a Joe Biden whopper right there. Look it up. Your anus college is one of the best English schools in the country. Watch me. Watch me. Anyway, did I make a mistake there, Norm, or did I do the right thing? Uh, you know, I can look over the list if you'd like me to before you send it back. Look over the list. I, I want, already, I want I you to send it back. Oh, you did? I, you know what? Now that I think about it, no, again, no disrespect, Justin. Mm. I respect you immensely. Yeah, it sounds like it. But why did I... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the biggest mistake of my yeah. life. Oh, no offense, but uh, wow, you're really wrong and ugly. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I mean, I, 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 Noam is just a little smarter because he does news and you talk about sports mm. with a guy named Eric Salas who nobody knows. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next time, Noam, I'm going to have you write it. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, that's only because but, Noam wears glasses. Well, he does look smarter. Yeah, right? I do. And his name is Noam. <laughs> right. Just send him the list, okay? Just send him the list. Don't worry about it. I think you did a good job. I do, but Thanks. I'm just a little nervous. Okay. Huh? I, I actually think either one of them I think you'd have to question. <laughs> I, actually, I, 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 don't, I don't know if you I think that's fair. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, but it's so easy nervous. these days to write the questions because you know what's going You know Joe Biden is the worst president in the history of this country. I told you, what's his name? Dan Bongino. He's on Donald Trump's social media, Truth Social. And every morning he posts today with today's date. And Joe Biden is still the worst president. It's cheesy. It's really dumb, actually. But it's factual. It's true. I thought Jimmy Carter in my lifetime, and if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April, was by far the worst. By far. This guy this guy makes Jimmy Carter look like George Washington. Although that doesn't work either today either because George Washington had three slaves. Whatever the hell they say, I don't know. Well, you keep screwing up. you got to. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You gotta but, it's, but the Biden, I mean, the, the crime family, they're about to go down. According to uh, Justin, he told me this morning, he said it's getting very, very close, right? That's what they're saying. I mean, but they've been saying that for weeks. Who's they? Well, Comer, the whole investigation, you know, oversight committee. Well, Kevin McCarthy, who happens to be the, the yes. leader of the House, right? he was on with Maria Bartiromo yesterday. Lakota Sleeper was this morning, and he made it sound like they're getting close, too. And he did say the Bidens have been lying from day one. Lewis, this is, uh, to Justin's point, Kevin McCarthy, cut number 16. We have an attorney general that could have lied to the American public. 
which he has now named a special prosecutor, there they have said two different things. And you have IRS whistleblowers that have come forward that show that there's two forms of, of justice when it comes to America. But now when you look at this, it looks like a culture of corruption that's been happening within the entire Biden family. You've got to get the, to be able to answer that to the American public. The American public deserves an answer. Who's lying? What information went on? Who paid? And what foreign governments, when you found now that we know that an FBI actually had an informant, which got to a form of a 1023, claiming that they had bribed then vice president and yeah. saying that we would never find the money because they went through shell companies yeah. and withheld that from the IRS individuals investigating Hunter yeah. Biden. So the next question for Kevin McCarthy is the question that Donald Trump himself was asking Monday morning on his own Truth Social, that is the impeachment inquiry. Can we get there or what? Kevin McCarthy Lewis, cut number 17. Only because Republicans took the majority have we found out what President Biden told us when he was running for office is not true. He, he said he never had any dealings with his son's business, and that he never even talked to him. We've now found out not only did he call into the meetings, he went to dinner, and after the dinner, Hunter Biden got a new Porsche, that there was $3.5 million transferred. We now found out as he was a sitting vice president, the family created 20 shell companies. They received 16 of 17 payments from Romania while he was vice president. We now found that the money would flow to nine family members. He has to continue to change this. But since then, we found a movement of his administration of weaponization. We found that... Now the uh, special prosecutor, David Wise, actually let the statute of limitations run out on Hunter Biden's taxes. We found that the FBI actually informed Hunter Biden and the inaugural committee prior to our ability to go and interview him. We also have a DOJ that um, gave a, tried to give a sweetheart deal to Hunter Biden, and the judge said no. So if you look at all the information we've been able to gather so far, it is a natural step forward that you would have to go to an impeachment inquiry. Well, just do it then. Let's go. Let's go, Kevin. Janine Pirro who, of course, is amazing on this station every Sunday. But she's the star, as far as I'm concerned, the 5, 5 o'clock every weekday afternoon on Fox News. I love Janine. And she said, let me tell you something, the stamp around Biden, they knew exactly what Hunter was doing. Janine Pirro, courtesy of the 5 Fox News, just yesterday, Lewis, cut number 20. By the way, who was copied on the email? The staff member is told to send it to uh, Hunter Biden. And that shows that uh, the immediate staff around Joe Biden knew that Hunter Biden was involved in this. We already know that Obama's people and Obama's State Department said, you got to watch out for your son. We all know he's a dirtbag, drug addict, X-ray, <laughs> lunatic. And he's flying around with you. And, you know, uh, the, the, this has to stop. Do you know that, according to Janine, I'm going to play this too, that Joe Biden, this is unbelievable. No, you got to hear this. Used aliases on 5,400, not 54, 5,400 emails. Janine Pirro, this is high opening. Cut number 21. 
it's a clear attempt to avoid any kind of transparency, uh, sharing information allegedly about his schedule that includes issues of the Ukraine at the time when Joe Biden was a point man on energy in Ukraine. And according to the National Archives, 5,400 such emails, 5,400 such emails. I'll say it again. And it was during the years that Joe Biden was vice president, 14 and 15. Um, at that, that was, those were the years that David Weiss, the now special counsel, uh, allowed the statute of limitations to run. Uh, the, the years that under the, uh, 1023, the Bidens were pretty much demanding $5 million and $5 million from Zlovchesky, who was the head of Burisma. Fact is, this is a fact. This is not a Sid Rosenberg opinion. Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Jimmy Biden, old news. I know old news. You've been about this for months and months and months. Jim Comer, Jim Jordan, Nancy Mace, they are criminals. He's not some doddering old man, old grandpa, who you should feel badly for because he's suffering from dementia. He is a creep. He is a corrupt animal. That's what he is, Joe Biden. Corrupt animal. He deserves about as much sympathy, quite frankly, as Osama bin Laden. Joe Biden. Trump 2024, say it with me. Trump. 2024. Here's the poll, Jack. Alphaville, forever young. Faces into the sun, raising our leaders, getting in tune. The music's played by the, the madman. Seventy-seven WABC. Spectacular. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the evening by lighting up, boy, from my friends, the star of the show, boy, boy. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Boy. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Listen to this show every day, like everybody does. Mitch Comarda, I know he's listening right now. Craig DeFrancher, Peter Gordio, Jake Connavale, Chaz Parmentieri's kid Dante, 
Chelsea, Makeup Chelsea, and Wardrobe Amber. Hey now! They love the show. You know what gets a kick out of all this is, I, I like this guy a lot, is Doug. I know you guys don't like him, but um, Doug Kisler, what? I love Doug. No, you don't, but um, I like him a lot. I love him, actually. Yeah, I love him, too. No, you don't. Oh, okay. So he, uh, he stays in the Hamptons <laughs> with these just, you know, these these terrible people, and he sends me a picture almost every Saturday of me in, in uh, Dan's papers, John Katsimatidis. Thank God for John. He puts this show in the New York Post, but he also puts us in Dan's papers, which is the Hamptons paper. And uh, Dougie's always reading it on a Saturday by the pool and sends me a copy of it. Like, he, he's legitimately happy for any success me or the show have. And if I'm doing something else, acting or something, he's legitimately, genuinely happy, unlike you guys. You're phonies. Yeah. But not Doug. Doug. I love Doug. Yeah, you don't. You don't. Okay. Yeah. Why do you say that? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, good job. Never said it before. Justin. <laughs> Why do you say it? Let me ask you. Well, I brought it up. What do you mean? I brought it up because I just walked by oh, he and he to... said he missed me yesterday. Well, I don't has... know. He's given... I, I love Doug. I've never heard you say that once. You heard just hear me say it four times in the past. Well, that's because I said it first. And you tend to copy exactly what I say. <laughs> oh, I see what this is. <laughs> yeah. I love Doug. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good guy. We got a good, that whole office is great because you got Doug. I know these people mean nothing to you folks on the road. You know what I'm talking about? But Doug, Stephanie, and Gina, that is a great threesome that uh, Chad and John hired. I like those three. That's a really good office. I love all of them. Really? You love them all? Me too. You've yes. never said that before, ever, not once. What do you think? I tell you everything that's You're, going on in my Clearly, head? you tell me nothing. No. I have no idea how you guys feel about most things at this point. I don't even know how you feel about Joe Biden. No, yes, you do. <laughs> what? Tell me, Lou, how do you feel about Joe Biden? I said it three days ago. I said, how is this guy still in office? Yeah, you did say that. Oh, that's did, true. Yeah, okay. No, you now did. Yeah, yes, yes, you did. I went, how come the government can't just get together and, like, who the heck is this idiot? He's embarrassing the country. Let's can we get if you had somebody running your business or corporation like that, what would you do? He'd be fired. Okay, really? Well, why can't that happen to this guy? I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. He doesn't I mean, remember people's names. He shows up in, in Hawaii and he makes jokes and he doesn't talk <laughs> about what's going on. It's true. He's it's an idiot. <laughs> He's a complete buffoon. Well, there it is. Buffoon. You should be on the five instead of Dana Perino. Well, I, I don't understand how, He's an idiot. how the country can't get rid of somebody like that. Well, they when, can. Uh, okay. Well, well we're starting the process now. With, with, oh, with, yeah. So in another year and a half, there'll well, be somebody. You're right about that. That's stupid. It's well, my mother says we should just drag him out of the White House. Actually, Naomi, <laughs> we can't even repeat what she said. Oh, he will anyway. I mean, he said, and I quote, somebody needs to shoot that guy. No, okay. you, know, you can't That's say great. that, Bob. No. Right. But the FBI hasn't come for her yet. I actually <laughs> felt badly for the FBI agent that knocks on my mother's door in Kanyanga Lake. If oh, pictures. that guy. <laughs> Well, I don't know what you want with me, but here, fine. <laughs> I'm going to see my mother finally this weekend. We're going back upstate. It's Labor Day weekend, so I miss my mom and my sisters and everybody else. Looking forward to that. Bring bail money. <laughs> yeah. Hey, talking about the uh, the tragedy in Maui, we've got another weather situation. Those are wildfires, obviously, but a weather situation with Hurricane Idala about to hammer Jacksonville in the state of Florida. 
Noam, what's the latest with that? It has made landfall just in the last 20 minutes When you or say so. landfall, are you talking about Jacksonville specifically? Not Jacksonville, but in that Big Bend area. area. Yeah. And 130-mile-an-hour winds. Initially, they thought it was going to be a Category 4 when it hit Category 3, which is not much less. So we're watching, you know, just to see what kind of damage it's doing. But just in the last 20 minutes or so, it made landfall. Uh, when is it supposed to hit, uh, like, Jacksonville? Good question. I do not know, but I can find out for okay. you. Okay. All right. And uh, I guess that's, right now, when I look to my left and I look towards the, you know, the cable networks, that's been the story they've covered most today. That seems to be, you know, locally they're doing a lot with Adams and Hochul, that fight which uh, is for real now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think it was probably for real two weeks ago when they all sort of looked like they liked each other. But this is this migrant thing, the migrant mess has hurt. Governor Hochul's poll numbers in a big way down 10% just over the last time they did a similar poll three months ago. And so I think her aides are telling us you need to get out front of this story. And, uh, well, and some of the blame she's laying right at Mayor Adams' steps. Well, his, her poll numbers you're saying are down 10%. What about him? I mean, I think he's in the 30s at this point, yeah, right? I haven't seen a poll in the last couple of weeks. That Hochul one was from earlier this week. So we'd have to see. I can't imagine it's not hurting him. So do you think that when Eric Adams calls out Curtis Sliwa, like they're doing right now in New York 1, look, New York 1, Mayor Adams calls Curtis Sliwa a buffoon. I swear to God, right now in New York 1, do you think that helps Mayor Adams? Do you think people go, hey, stupid, we got a big issue here. Why are you even thinking? Why are you even concerned? Now they're even discussing it. This leprechaun Pat Kiernan and some doofus guests are discussing yeah. Mayor Adams calling Curtis Lee a buffoon. You believe this? It is amazing how he just didn't bat away the question. That's what he right. should have done. Just pay attention. Right. Make, make it like he didn't hear or move on or say, you know, one sentence and move on. But then, uh, I mean, you play right into Curtis right. Lee's playground. Right. I mean, Curtis. This. Look at now they got Curtis Lee on. Now, play this. Uh, Eric Adams cut number two. Where for some reason, the mayor of New York, he's the mayor couldn't control himself, couldn't help himself, and called my friend a buffoon. Cut number two. Any, anytime you start out a question with the name Curtis Sliwa, that in itself states that it would do a disservice to me and other <laughs> New Yorkers for me to even respond to that. Curtis Sliwa? I mean, I mean, if you go look in a dictionary for the word buffoon <laughs> and tell me what picture you come up with. Right now, yours. Somebody sent it to me, Scoop Jackson. I swear to God, it's Eric Adams, not Curtis Lee. Talk Radio 77. WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
think I got to be one of the very few 56, almost 57-year-old guys that loves the Goo Goo Dolls. But, and this song, Iris, of course, is probably their most famous. I saw them in concert a couple of years ago up at Bethel Woods, Lou. And when this song came on, people went nuts. I don't think it's their best song. I like name. But um, you think I'm the oldest Google Dolls fan alive? Is that possible? Yes, because there's a record book on a lot of their fans. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I was just looking at it. I got to be. Y- yes. And I also love The Fray. The Fray reminds me of the Google Dolls. That's another band that, like, college kids. You know what uh, band I was talking about? By the way, I do want to send a shout-out to... Um, Two huge fans of Sid and Friends in the Morning, Larry Rolla, Larry High Rolla, and uh, Juliana Golia. Two uh, very, very big bands. Good morning. This uh, group, Fish, you ever uh, you ever see these guys low in concert? I've seen clips of P-H-I-S-H. Them. Yes, I know the band. Yeah, but they, they have their, their followers are like Grateful Dead followers. Yes, new lunatics. Bunch of druggies and lowlifes. Yeah, and the music is... It's not good. No. They suck. No. You know, uh, Jake Cannavale, Bobby's kid, who I work with all the time now, he's a great actor. He likes that group, uh, Pantera. You like them? Uh, not my thing. Not your thing, right? No. That, that would be, that's metal rock, right? Yep. I don't like that stuff either. I never got into metal. No. I mean, I mean, I like ACDC. That's kind of metal, right? ACDC yeah. is like rock and metal. But I rock guess. metal. You would be the youngest Pantera fan. Actually, <laughs> yeah, no, I'd be the oldest Pantera well, fan for yes, sure. Or youngest. You know who likes all that music is uh, Sean King, who happens to be a great kid. He's the son of Congressman Peter King, who joins me every Wednesday at this time, and lo and behold, is on the phone right now. Peter, good morning. How are you, buddy? Sid, always good talking to you. But I have to say one thing. I got to defend Justin Ellick. Yeah. I, I text and email you, and I text and email Justin. I get much more intelligent responses from Justin. Oh. And the guy is just great. So I, I stand with Justin. I think that uh, Donald Trump will probably make you his number one man because of Justin. Hey, I don't disagree with anything you just said. <laughs> Thank you, Congressman. That means a lot. Thank you very much. I'm putting that on my resume. No, but, but just because he's smarter than me doesn't mean he's the smartest guy on my staff. And I don't know. I think uh, moving forward, maybe you'll send the emails to uh, Trump. Peter, you want to do that? <laughs> no, not for now. But uh, well, I can't. You know, I, I can, see. I got Bo Deedle, my man Bo, who'll be live in studio tomorrow. Bo has done the one eighty. He still wants apologies and all this nonsense. He's never going to get. But he's done the one eighty. He's back on the Trump bandwagon. I'm Trump. I'm Trump. I'm Trump. You are still not there yet. What is it going to take, Peter King? What? Uh, I, I want to see the other candidates. I thought, uh, actually, last week, I thought uh, Nikki Haley did a good job. I just want to see. I just think that even though, you know, among Republicans, Trump is very popular. He had a good record as president. But there's so many negatives he builds up against himself, which allows the media to attack him. And uh, I, I think he's still going to have a hard time uh, winning in the general election. So that's that's basically it. I want someone who's going to be able to focus and not always be fighting off things about himself, many of which are self-inflicted. Having said that. I think all four of those indictments are wrong. They shouldn't be carried, you know, should have been brought in the first place. And they're really disgraceful. It's abuse of the criminal justice system. So that certainly builds up sympathy for Trump. But I just think, you know, in, in 2020, as biased as the media was and everything else, that race shouldn't have even been close. But so much of the issues that come up are self-inflicted rulings, like the indictment down in, down in Florida. I mean, why was he not just giving so, you know, those records back or cooperating? He wasn't going to be selling them. He wasn't going to be giving them to the Russians. Uh, he probably didn't read them in the first place. So, you know, he just gets himself locked in on something. And that's probably the strongest case against him. And so total nonsense. Something that never should have happened in the first place. No harm was done. 
So anyway, it's just things like that. Uh, but no, listen, I supported him as president. I certainly voted against his impeachment when I was there. He was very helpful to me on a number of issues, including MS-13. And he was uh, when uh, uh, my daughter was uh, uh, diagnosed as having breast cancer, he called her, stayed on the phone with her, always asked about her. No, he's a great guy. I mean, that way he is. But again, there's the negatives there that I think can really hurt us in the general election. But, hey, it's a long way to next August when, you know, they commence Milwaukee, and we'll see where it goes. But whoever, uh, if he does win the, when, excuse me, if, when he wins the primary, you'll vote for him. There's not, in other words, there's not a Democrat you would vote for instead of Trump. No, no. no. If he is the nominee, I'll certainly vote for him, absolutely. Okay. Uh, what do you think about the RFK Jr. guy, though? I think he's quirky. I think he's getting some attention. But, I mean, there's so many issues where he's off off on his own somewhere with conspiracy theories. But the fact that he's getting almost 20 percent, it's not just the Kennedy name. And by the way, I've gotten along with the Kennedys. I don't know, I'm not one of these anti-Kennedy people. Uh, so, And he's probably one of the only ones I don't know in the family. But having said that, uh, I, I, I don't think he's presidential material. I think that there's uh, too much quirkiness there. Yeah. But uh, listen, he certainly is the Biden people shook up. I mean, they uh, uh, he's definitely making inroads, partly, I think, because of Biden's weaknesses, but also because Kennedy is something different. And when they look at Biden, they see the, you know, the same old thing. I think I think Biden's only big supporter right now is Lovafino. <laughs> he does love him. No matter what he says on the air, you know better. Uh, well, the guy that loves RFK Jr. is uh, your good buddy there, Kevin Breslin, Jimmy Breslin's kid. He texts I me I would, on average about four mornings a week about this guy. He's never come on my show. I don't care. I mean, that's fine. But um, he's trying desperately to convince me that he's a legitimate player. I just, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see it that way. I know I don't see it. No, I think right now he's getting the anti-Biden vote in the Democratic primary. I mean, that's basically it. Uh, and, and he has the name that draws people's attention. But, no, I don't think he has any chance as a candidate. Uh, he's, again, I, I think it's, he, he deserves credit for being out there. He's willing to take the heat, which he certainly does. I mean, he's being attacked by his own family, by you know, these uh, uh, you know, professional Democrats that are all against him. But he is, he is striking a certain chord. But no, listen, Kevin Breslin's a great guy. Uh, Kevin Breslin, his brother James, they're great people. His father was a character. I know him very well. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, Kennedy, you know, leave him there. Let him campaign. Let him create problems with Biden. But I don't see that campaign really going too far. I never knew the story until Curtis told me this on the air a couple of days ago. I'm sure you knew it because you knew Jimmy so well. You know, his kids that Jimmy got beat up by the mob in uh, in one of those places, I guess, in Brooklyn. And they roughed him up pretty good. I mean, it didn't scare him. He still wrote the book, The Guy That Shouldn't that Couldn't Shoot Straight, about the Gallo brothers. But he was, he was a tough guy, that, uh, that Jimmy Breslin. And talking about Curtis Sliwa... He continues, whether it's Brooklyn or Staten Island or Gracie Mansion. He has, as we speak, he is developing another big rally here. He's out there every night. I know he's speaking for me. I know he's speaking for me and a lot of New Yorkers. Does Curtis Sliwa speak for Peter King? Yeah, I would say on this issue almost completely. I would say, though, I've always said that Curtis spends so much time at WABC that John Casmatini should charge him rent. I think that Eric Adams should charge uh, Eric for spending so much time on Eric Adams. Right, right. He has definitely gotten to him. No, listen, Curtis is making great points. And this is where I really have almost a final break here with Eric Adams. I mean, he is fighting with the governor. To me, all three of them, Hoko, Adams, and Biden are wrong. But Adams is fighting with the governor because he wants to send immigrants all over the state. The last thing we need and Nassau and Suffolk County is sending those uh, migrants in, into Nassau and into Suffolk. So he's really going off the deep end now. 
he in many ways is responsible up front for this by saying that uh, New York is a sanctuary city, by giving these people cell phones and you're greeting them at the, uh, you know, the Port Authority. So uh, to me, Eric Adams has become really uh, almost number one on, on the uh, list here for people responsible for these issues. I mean, Biden is ultimately. But right now between Hochul and uh, Biden uh, uh, and uh, Adams, I, I would say that Adams right now is really failing in his job, really falling down on it, yeah. and again trying to spread the misery around the state. So uh, – but also with, uh, I think you can't lose sight of the fact here, you know, they should go to Reynolds Island, they should go here, they should go there. We could give City Field and Yankee Stadium and everything else. This is never going to end unless we seal the border. So, And also people say we should give them uh, working papers. That's just going to attract more and more migrants. If you go down to Honduras, you say, hey, if you come to New York, okay, I have to uh, you know, uh, go to a vetting, I have to do all this here from there, and then I get working papers. They'll come up here, they'll take their chances. So all, all uh all this talk about giving them jobs, like Hochul is saying, you know, giving them working papers. How about the people online, the people who are doing it legally? Give them the working papers. That's yeah. the guys that jumped the line and, you know, crash me across the border. No, you're right. I mean, it incentivizes uh, more people to come. But uh, this young lady, Jacqueline Toberoff, was on with me earlier. She's got a new book out called Super Moms Activated. And she said, listen, don't lose sight of the real truth. The real truth is the reason why Hochul and Adams want these people to get jobs is once they're employed, they could vote. And who do you think they're going to vote for? The Democrats that allowed them to stay here. Don't kid yourself. It's all about votes. i got to tell you, I agree with her. Yeah, I, I think that's certainly the long-term uh, plan. I'm, I, I don't know if it's the main thing, but it's certainly a, a, an issue they have. They figure any of these people they let in, ultimately they're going to end up voting Democratic. That's number one. But I think also it's part of this whole liberal philosophy of open borders, Sort of a lack of respect for national sovereignty and national security. Uh, you know, what? Uh, why have borders? All of us, it's, you know, one big happy. Oh, yeah, that's the. Good, I'm still... here back. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. yeah that's, the, that's the attitude of these progressives yep. and left wing people. So no, I think it's uh, this, this. This goes so deep. Yeah, there's no way you can solve it by give them housing here or no housing there. The fact is, overall, this ha- they have to stop at the border and start sending people back. It's, they have to do it. And that's where Trump was 100 percent right. I mean, he was really doing an outstanding job. He was. He had remained in Mexico. He had Title 42. I mean, absolutely. I'll tell you this, Peter. I thought, and Dr. Mark Siegel is going to join me coming up at 925 because there seems to be this growing opinion that uh, COVID is, is well, it's coming back. Uh, we've got 12 to 15 percent more people in the emergency room this week. And but there seems to be this genuine concern that the mask mandates are coming back. There may be a lockdown as early as December. With all this stuff going on, you've got these people coming here that have not been vetted, right? I mean, they, they could have, forget about COVID, they could have worse than that. But I got to put a mask on. I got to stay home. But somebody can walk across the border today from one of these countries and not even be tested? How the hell is that okay? It's not okay. And, again, that shows this whole double and triple standard they have. And uh, also, you know, COVID also affects people who have been weakened, have their resistance down. When you have people coming in who could be spreading other diseases, that's going to uh, weaken people's resistance overall. So, no, this is, no matter how you look at it, it's wrong. It's, and it's also wrong for them. I, I agree with what you were saying, I don't blame the people for coming across the border. If I was down in Honduras or somewhere in Central America or Mexico, I'd be doing all I could to sink across sure. the border. Sure. Uh, but I don't blame them, but I blame Biden, who basically during his campaign was saying if he was elected president, the borders are going to be open. Or, you know, he's going to welcome these people in. You have Adams, Mayor Adams went out of his way 
to say how great it was in New York would welcome all these people. You have Kathy Hochul, who has been missing in action up until now. And they keep saying it's a federal solution. It is, but only to the extent that the borders are closed. I mean, it, it's no, it, there's no need to be getting into overall yeah. immigration reform. Yeah. Listen, I, I would have no problem. If the borders are closed. Okay, uh, your process the dreamers are here. Maybe look at some of the other people who have been here for a number of years. But the, you can't do any of that until the borders are closed. Nothing. So you heard me all morning long. This is the great congressman, another great, great conversation, Peter King. I've been talking to uh, Frank Seller. they got the annual 5K run coming up, Tunnel to Towers. And I've said about 100 times this morning, I even played the old tape of me with Imus and McCord from that morning, that we're now just 12 days away, Peter King, 12 days from the 22-year commemoration of 9-11. Homeland Security was developed not long after that, uh, of which you became a part of. And uh, you're a major, major part of the reason why so many people get money to this day, loved ones who passed away, not even that day, but the 21 years since, you, John Stewart. But you really have been a hero in, in that regard. 22 years. Does it feel like that for you? Because for me, i got to tell you, it feels like yesterday. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I can't tell you maybe what I was doing, you know, 22 days ago, but I can tell you everything about 22 years ago. And that, that was a uh, horrific day. I, in fact, my wife Rosemary was coming down that day. It was supposed to be uh, an, an event at the White House that night, and she was on the 8:30 flight coming out of uh, oh LaGuardia. Oh my and, God! You know what I heard? What happened? And for about an hour, we couldn't find out because they wouldn't give us any any information on, on the plane. My son Sean was working in the Commerce Department. And there was a, a report that the Commerce Department had been bombed. Now, it turned out to be false. But for like two hours, we had no contact with Rosemary, no contact with my son. Oh. And, you know, thank God for me. And also my son-in-law, Aaron's husband, he, he was about two blocks north of the World Trade Center. And he actually saw the uh, uh, plane crashing into it. So for a few hours, we were like, oh, my God, this is horrible. And then when you know they were all accounted for, somehow you think, okay, everything is okay. And then you realize there's 2,000 other people were killed and uh, you know, the devastation their families went through. And then we had so many funerals for firefighters. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the Haskell brothers. Uh, I mean, so many people, you know, like you mentioned, and it was just a terrible, terrible experience. And what bothered me so quickly was, despite I could seem like it was bipartisan in uh, Washington, we had Democrats right from the start trying to undermine Bush that he caused this to happen. Uh, we had then people from other parts of the country who didn't want to give New York the aid that it deserved. You had uh, liberals who were going after the uh, NYPD for setting up such a comprehensive anti-terror program here in New York. So it's uh, and then you had years and years of trying to get the health care protection. No. Have people dying still every week, still, every month. Yeah, yeah I know. From, you know from, uh, illnesses from 9-11. So, no, this is something that uh, it, it united the country. It didn't unite us as much as it should have. And with all the other issues we can discuss and debate about in this country, we should be absolutely committed to, one, taking care of every every uh, person who in any way was injured on 9-11, any of their illnesses. But also that we stand firm on terrorism. Islamist terrorism is still a threat today. In many ways, they are as strong as they were on September 10th. We do have defenses in place. So we let those defenses down. Or if any of them come across the border, we can be back to another 9-11. You know, on the way out here about a minute to go, I had a fight with this actor, Michael Rappaport, last week. Because I told you the story. I was in the gym, and he sent me the mugshot of Rudy Giuliani. And uh, Rappaport, although he spent some time in Los Angeles, he's an Upper East Side guy. He's a New York kid, you know. And I said, Mike, 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 my man, do I need to remind you? You were here 22 years ago. You were here. What Rudy did afterwards, I don't care what Rudy does for Trump. 
The worst thing Rudy did for Trump was defend him. That's it. Nothing illegal. He's his lawyer, okay? And he actually believed what Trump believed. He did nothing illegal, nothing wrong. But my question is, how can any decent New Yorker who was here that day like you and I were ever, ever have anything bad to say about Rudy Giuliani? I don't get it. I agree with you completely. Rudy, as much as anyone, held the country together. He showed the resolve of uh, New York. He and Bernie Carrick were phenomenal in those days afterwards. And Tom Van Essen, they did a fantastic job. Rudy really saved New York City. In many ways, he saved the country. He gave the country the backbone it needed. And as far as these indictments, I think it's terrible. It's a disgrace. But even if everything in there were true, I would never lose respect for Rudy, who I actually worked with him in a summer job over because it was 56 years ago. I've known him all that time. He's a tough fight. And you're right. If, if, if Rudy's guilty of anything, it's being overzealous, overcommitted, and too loyal. And, again, you know, those aren't bad uh, uh, qualities to have. No, what he did on 9-11, and also he saved the city before that. I mean, people forget that. I mean, the crime level before he came in, he turned the city around. He saved the city on the 9-11. That was his finest hour. He was yeah. America's mayor. You're right. I mean, Eric Adams can only dream to be half as good. Dream to be half as good as Rudy Giuliani, or you for that matter, Peter. I always say it, two best politicians in my lifetime. And if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. You and Rudy Giuliani, another great appearance. Thank you so much, Peter. We'll do it again next week. I love you, pal. Thanks. Thank you, I give my best to Justin. I will. Uh, <laughs> I think you heard that. <laughs> Thanks, Congressman. Best to you as well. What is this loyalty that he's got to you? What, what, what happened? What, do you got pictures I'm of Peter King? Or you? <laughs> I don't know. A lot of the, the talent here, they seem to like you. Like Judge Janine, Joseph Abood at one point loved you. What is it? What do you got? Um, well, I don't know. It's something called treating people with respect. Ever heard of it? Dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> More Google <laughs> Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Played the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the show. I love these guys. Anthony Kiedis, Flee the Crew. Red Hot Chili Peppers at 9.15. Never happened, folks. Ralph, there you go. Mets and Yankees never finished in last place. Never. And the Mets were born in 1962. That's a pretty large sample. Over 60 years. My next guest is a great congresswoman. The best we've got. But she's a TV star. Every time I look at the TV, she's on TV. Fox News. This morning, New York won. When did this happen, Nicole Maliotakis? When did you become this this big TV star? 
I'm just trying to be a voice of reason, Sid, in this city where uh, common sense doesn't seem to be so common anymore. That's true, and uh, you are that, and it's deserved. You're doing a, a really – I tell you last time I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job as a as a politician. I love seeing you on TV because you do provide common sense, and there's like three different topics I want to get to with you. Let's start with this one, though, before we talk about your press conference today, and that is uh, Staten Island seceding. Joe Borelli told me this on this show months ago. Vito Pocella echoed it, and you talked about it with me just a couple of days ago, and it seemed to be a story yesterday – about the possibility of Staten Island seceding. Is that becoming a real possibility? Well, I think it, there's a groundswell support for it uh, among uh, residents of Staten Island who are getting increasingly frustrated uh, by having the mayor, the governor, the president's policies jammed down our throats, people that we did not vote for. But here in New York City, you know, we certainly didn't support uh, the policies of Mayor de Blasio. We don't support the policies of Eric Adams. And yet we're being subjected to them against our will. And it is uh, – this, this this crisis where we're seeing illegal immigrants being placed in parks and schools in assisted living facility on Staten Island that kicked out seniors and then this this group turned around and cut a deal with the city to house migrants there just wrong and uh, the latest is a, a thousand uh, classroom school which was supposed to open a public school was an old Catholic school you know, being taken away once again from the community uh, to house individuals who just strolled over our border a few weeks ago. And it's insulting to the taxpaying citizens who deserve more. They deserve to have uh, nice parks, nice schools uh, that are not overcrowded. They deserve to have uh, facilities for our seniors. And so what we're doing is just basically saying, look, if you're not going to if you're not going to do what Staten Island wants as a community, then just let us go. And the, the, the issue is, is that the city council and the state legislature are the ones that have to approve it. Mm. And, you know, you know, they talk they talk a lot about Staten Island and they like to make fun of us. But when it comes to letting us go, they want our cash, you know, the right, cash of cow for the city yeah, but, of New York. But, but, with the but here's what I don't get. You know, this migrant thing has become very personal. I'll tell you what I mean. Peter King was on with me moments ago when he talked about Long Island. He's a Nassau County guy. So their executive, Bruce Blakeman, is like, over my dead body, they're not coming. But Peter made it personal. I know for me, Nicole, selfishly, I was at not one but two rallies last week, and I never protest, ever. But there I was, standing next to Curtis Slee, were proudly at Floyd Bennett Field and Toys R Us, because Floyd Bennett Field is three miles from my house. So it's not just Staten Island, there's Brooklyn, there's, it's all over the place, Queens, and no one else is looking to secede. What makes you guys different? Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Staten Island is a little different because we're probably the only borough that did not uh, vote for the, the mayor. I mean, and yeah, there may be pockets in the other boroughs, and, and we're really happy to see the tide turning in southern Brooklyn where we're flipping seats Republican because people are fed up with the one-party Democrat rule that's destroying our city and our state. Um, what I'll also point out, though, is the people that are protesting, you know, and are outraged about this, you know, they are they are obviously children of immigrants. Um, they are grandchildren of immigrants. We have a very diverse district. We have uh, people from all over the world in my district. And yet the, the immigrants are the ones that actually are, are the most angry in many, many ways. You know, they feel that they sacrificed. They worked hard. They had to follow rules. They had to wait online. They had to take years. They had to spend thousands on attorneys and, and, and work multiple jobs. And here you have individuals who are not just not abiding by the process to enter the country appropriately, but on top of it, they are getting 
everything paid for them by the taxpayers, right? So it's an insult to those legal immigrants who came here and did everything right. People like my parents, right, who never got anything from the yeah. government, never asked for anything. They just wanted an opportunity. Um, and, and I think that's what's adding insult to injury. And what do you hear from our leadership? We have the governor asking the president more federal for more federal funding, for more federal land to open up shelters and encampments. Uh, she wants Section 8 for uh, these people who just entered our country, never worked a day, never paid taxes. Uh, and, and while we have citizens, whether they're veterans or domestic violence victims, waiting years to get Section 8. Um, it's just it's just outrageous what, yeah, what, what I agree. we're seeing from our leadership. It's gr- no, it's and, grotesque. Uh, you know, it's- hopefully people just... Hopefully people will vote them out. But, you know, we had that opportunity. New York blew it last year when they didn't elect Lee Zeldin. That would have changed everything. Uh, and it's unfortunate. Well, you're right. Uh, they did have the opportunity. And Lee ran a great campaign and a great race. But the numbers weren't in his favor. Hopefully New Yorkers, uh, you know, I'm talking about rational New Yorkers, not the people I live with on the Upper West Side. They don't care. They see a D, I'm voting for that person, instead of D for douchebag in a lot of these cases, including the governor and the mayor. Uh, but I would ask you about the legislation that you talked about on this show with me a couple of days ago that you were drawing up. Where are you with that? Yeah, I went to Washington last week, and I dropped the bill. Um, we're going to make a real effort to get it through the House. Uh, you know, the problem we always have is with Senator Schumer, who doesn't want to do a thing. I mean, the guy, you go to his Twitter, Twitter page, he's at the New York, New York County Fair, New York State Fair. Uh, no, peep, <laughs> no peep, no peep about the about the crisis that his constituents in New York City are facing. Uh, we passed H.R. 2, which would secure the border, would end this crisis, reinstate the policies of President Trump, undo what President Biden did at the border. Uh, but the Senate won't take it up. Now, you can argue, well, the Democrats won't pass our bill. Well, you know what? Pass your own bill. And if you don't like our bill, pass your own bill. But do something. You see how your city is becoming a war zone over this. And people are protesting left and right. People are upset, and rightfully so. And you do nothing about it. And so it's really frustrating to see that the governor and the mayor, they never call out Schumer, right? Because he's the one guy who could actually make something happen here. Um, and, and so, but, I, but short of that, we're going to try to use our leverage in the appropriations process when we return in September to strip, strip funding to continue this crisis. We're going to uh, demand that changes are made to the border or else they won't receive funding that they need. Um, and and I think that's the angle. That's the only leverage Republicans have. Is we only control one third of the government. We need to use it, and this is where we draw the line. We have to do that. We have to stick together and push forward here to get some changes. But my my bill, which which we will get past the House at some point uh, in the near future, uh, my bill would actually prohibit uh, federal lands like. Floyd Bennett Field, like Fort Wadsworth and Staten Island, from being used as homeless encampments. Right, and we thought that was already the case. But when you say homeless, it's different because right to shelter, if they're American and they're homeless, they get that, but not illegals. Uh, I know last night, I think it was last night, Nicole, you're on with Rita Cosby, and you were talking about how the left is also trying to push for non-citizens to vote. And, And look, I believe, and maybe I'm just cynical, and maybe I'm getting too much involved in this profession, but I believe that almost everything these politicians do comes down to money and or votes. And, for example, if these people get jobs, right, they all of a sudden are allowed to vote. And that's, and believe me when I tell you, Hochul knows that. Eric Adams knows that. Joe Biden knows that. So while they feign this horror and anger over the crisis, they know that they've got these people in their back pockets. Is that fair to say or am I being too cynical? 
Well, um, I would argue that a lot of these people wouldn't vote for their policies simply because they fled circumstances. They fled these policies. I don't know. It'd be really unwise to come here and then go vote for the Democrats who want to do the same thing to this country. Um, but what I would argue is that you're right about the non-citizens voting because we are in court on, on a couple of matters. But one of the matters is to stop the Our City, Our Vote law put in place by de Blasio and the council. It was a parting gift on his way out the door. Uh, which would allow individuals who are have work authorization and reside in New York City for 30 days to be able to register to vote for municipal elections, meaning you know mayor and and city council elections. Um, we won the initial lawsuit that threw out that struck down the law, but of course Mayor Adams, uh, doubling down all the time, decided to appeal our lawsuit. So we just had the hearing on that last month, and uh, we're waiting the decision on the appeal. Uh, but that is one of the consequences. If they, these individuals get work authorization, they will be reg- allowed to register to vote. Now, Ari Kagan, the councilman uh, from Southern Brooklyn, who's challenging Justin Brannon uh, in Bay Ridge, uh, in, in Bay Ridge, in Gravesend, and, and uh, Seagate, and Coney Island, uh, very important election. We can flip this seat. Ari Kagan can win it. Justin Brannon supported this law. He was a sponsor of the law, not just voted for it, but he's a sponsor of the law. And um, Ari Kagan and I are going to be there today to call him out on it. And in addition to that, we're going to call for the mayor to drop the appeal. So those are the things we're working on uh, today. Every day is, a, you know, another fight. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate yeah. that, like, yeah. I mean, really, yeah. it's like. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> where, where exactly are you going to be with uh, Kagan today? In Bay Ridge? Yeah, we're going to be in Bay Ridge outside one of the polling sites that's well known, and we're gonna we're gonna call out Justin for what he Good. did here. I mean, he, here's Justin Brandon that not just voted to cut a, a, a billion dollars from the NYPD. Here's uh, but let Brandon. me stop you right there because because I brought yep. that up with him. He was on this show. I don't know if you heard or not. It was about two weeks ago, and I brought up the fact that he defunded the police, and he flat out lied to me. He lied to me. So make sure that you and Ari drive that point home that not only did it defund the police, but given the opportunity to man up to it on Sid show, he lied. Well, that's what he does. And, you know, here's a guy who had to draw out, like, most of his district because he, he can't win because his constituents know what a lousy job he's doing. I mean, here, look how I'm fighting to keep my district, right? We're always we're in court on that, too, because they want to redraw my lines. I want to keep my district because I know I'm doing a good job and I'm fighting for my constituents and I'm representing their voice. Here's the Democrats. They always have to try to redraw their districts and take out parts of their district to stay in power because they can't win on re-election just on the merits. It's unbelievable. All true. Nicole, you're doing a fantastic job. Good luck with Ari. Of course, we're endorsing Ari on this show. We all are. Me, Curtis, everybody. Good luck with him today, and please keep coming back. you become a great voice for New Yorkers. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Sid. You got it. Nicole Maliotakis. I love her, man. She's great. She is tough. That's a tough lady right there. We're going to talk to a Dr. Mark Siegel. Get ready, folks. Mask mandates, lockdowns. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Hard to believe, right? I got two words for all of you. I'm listening very carefully. It's not those two words, Lois. Calm down. It could be a lot of two words. Even before I talk to Dr. Mark Siegel, here are my two words. And listen carefully. It's actually three. It's a contraction. Don't comply. Let me say it again. Don't comply. Now I'll use the other two words. F them.
and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. That's a great tune, baby. The Cure. Pictures of you on your rainy Wednesday. It's raining hard out there. But the weather, I believe, is supposed to improve. Get some tennis in tonight, and then it's supposed to be gorgeous. I believe from, like, tomorrow through next week, right through Labor Day. Sunny 80s. So we got a nice end-of-summer weekend coming up. All right, 9.33. Let's go to my friend. He's a star on Fox News, but... He really is one of the best doctors in New York City. I can tell you that because my family's gone to him. And that's my dear friend, Dr. Mark Siegel. Siegs, good Wednesday morning, buddy. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, I've been seeing you on TV a lot, by the way. I'm I'm sending you uh, my favorite hair dermatologist now. We're gonna both of us are gonna are gonna <laughs> next thing next time you see us, we're gonna have red hair. No, not me. I'm good just like this. I I, I was doing good there for a while. I was doing Kilmeade, Jesse Waters, Lawrence Jones. But what's funny is uh the last, I don't know, year or so I do more movie stuff and T V drama stuff than I do. News shows, that's okay. You're great at it, and whenever there's a, a big issue with COVID, I make sure I catch you. So we spoke By about the way, this. Sid, I think you're going to be used more and more in gangster movies, and I'm wondering why that is. Is it because you're buff, or is it because you're threatening, or because you it looks like somebody you're somebody that somebody can make a deal with? What is it? It's all three. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I know the real guys, but. Uh... <laughs> on, a, on a serious note, anytime exactly. there's a COVID story, I go to you. And, and you and I talked about this two weeks ago when it was preliminary what I was hearing. Now I'm hearing it's just about a beta complete that mask mandates and, and even uh, an eventual lockdown that they are coming. It's not maybe, it's not probably, they are coming. What are you hearing? Well, first of all, th- that isn't what I was hearing from the CDC, and I have my inside sources. But the CDC doesn't actually control government policy, by the way. They just they just put out recommendations that then get used by governments to basically pummel their citizenry, right? So I, the CDC isn't saying that, but that doesn't mean it won't happen. But the, the word for that would be insanity. Insanity, not learning from our mistakes. You know, public health is about learning from your mistakes, about learning something and carrying it forward. We got a virus here that's not going away anytime soon. It's milder than it was. We got more immunity than we have before. We we found out that masks, and I've been saying this for three years, don't actually get worn properly. Oh, now my God. I, I mean, I just had dinner with, with this couple, uh, Jack and Lily, and it was in Broad Channel Saturday night. And this, this lady, by the way, is to the right of me. She's a big-time conservative. But she, I was telling her, I go, you know, when COVID started – They had my picture up in my building in New York City. This is a true story because I knew from day one they were lying. 
And even though I know people were dying, I don't want to sound insensitive, I refused to comply. And I knew the masks weren't working. And she ripped into me, you're wrong. She's like, why do you think doctors wear masks when they perform surgery in the hospital? Of course masks work. I'm like, but I saw studies that said they didn't. So did they or did they not work? By the way, you're on an FBI most wanted list now because of that photo. <laughs> but I, luckily, you're down towards the bottom. I, I don't think you have to worry. They're not going to get to you for a while. They're, they're tied up with all this stuff against presidents and former presidents. Here's the real story about masks. It's actually complicated. First of all, they do not work unless you wear them properly. Number two, nobody taught anybody to wear them properly, so that's about 80%. I used to say, and I bring the joke back, that people wearing a mask around their chin, it says Democrat on it, on the mask. Yeah. Uh, surgical masks don't work at all, and cloth masks don't work at all, and cloth masks are the only masks that don't have plastic on them that actually can influence your lung health and long-term cancer risk. That's according to to a new study from South Korea, so there's a downside to constant mask use. I think the KN95s and the N95s do work to some extent, but I find even myself, Sid, and you're going to laugh at me, I wear them in the doctor's office still, but I find I'm taking them off to talk to people. Of course. Yeah, no, no, no. Listen, I, I, have, uh, I, I, have, mean, I, I have hearing aid issues as it is. I'm going to see the doctor right after the show. When you're talking to me with a mask on and I can't help read your – I can't hear what the hell you're talking about. It's actually, it's actually disrespectful because I can't hear what the hell you're saying. Take your mask off. At least I can read your lips. And I also heard all those months that the carbon dioxide that we continue to breathe right back in because the mask was blocking it, that wasn't healthy either. Is that not true? That's true. And then there's people with asthma and there's people with allergies. And and the, the best of all was that people that back these mandates all took their masks off immediately as soon as the mandate ended, which showed you it was a political maneuver. If it was medical, why would you not just gradually uh, but, take By the way, but before it ended, they took it off. Gavin Newsom at a Dodger game. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Pelosi at the, at the uh, beauty salon in San Francisco. COVID was still going strong. They already took those things off. They all the lied. Was, the best was the president when he wore a mask to talk into a microphone and then took it off to lean forward and talk to somebody without it on <laughs> but and yet and yet they i mean and what they did to our kids i mean dr mark i'm sorry well that's, so that's coming back too i thought we already dispelled the myth of of remote learning being possible i don't think a five-year-old could learn remotely i don't think a five-year-old could could learn with a mask on and by the way i talked to my most trusted child psychiatrist in the country he's in he's in chicago in the middle of the pandemic i'll never forget i'll say do you do you think five-year-olds actually wear masks properly and he said i've never seen one that does actually not one so you go you go to a school where there's mask mandates not nobody's wearing the mask well the properly. bigger problem for me opening but, a window but, but, open a window right but the bigger problem for me with the kids was less about the mask mandates and more about the absolute fact that we knew early on early on that kids were not getting sick and dying from COVID. It was overwhelmingly older people, and even more overwhelmingly, people with comorbidities, not little kids. They didn't die yeah, from this. We, we had studies from Australia ahead of us, studies from Europe ahead of us, 
and then studies from our own Duke University here in the United States that prove once and for all that you spread less COVID with schools open, period. Because what is a school? It's a place where kids are being observed. If they're out in the community, they're going out to a restaurant or a ball field, and much more risk they're going to spread it. And we haven't even mentioned the tremendous harm that was done to kids. I actually, I actually understood it when I understood the teachers' unions were running the show, because I understood that all they cared about was protecting their teachers, and their teachers were working remotely, and they loved it. They loved it. You could have a salami sandwich while you're you know, teaching, and nobody ah, even knows please, if you're wearing pants or I mean, not. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was more than that. I mean, these scumbags, Mulgrew and Randy Weingarten, that witch, it was more than just uh, keeping their teachers happy. A lot of people made a lot of bank, and uh, those low lives couldn't care less what happened to our kids or even their teachers. How can they be bringing it back? Didn't didn't we didn't we uh, publicize this point enough yes. two years ago? What's it? What's this about? We're closing schools now. What is that? What do you How mean? We're, be... we're actually closing schools now. Yes, in certain areas they're going remote already, and, aye, and aye, aye. that's right. Yes. That's you, you said. You know, we're faced with mask mandates. I mean, I, I'm not even as concerned about that as about going back to a remote situation. Period. And I'm hearing about that in certain counties around the country, in Kentucky, for one, certain areas. And and I'm definitely worried about that in blue states. Well, here's what you need to do, Siegs. You're a big shot, and deservedly so. You're a brilliant doctor, and you work at NYU. It doesn't get bigger than that. you got to get your friend from Columbia Presbyterian, also one of the best hospitals in the world, quite frankly, Cornell, all these places. And uh, you, you specifically need to have a mask-burning ceremony and do it on Fox News. So they can see these. I'm being serious about this. These prominent doctors, like Dr. This is Mark brilliant, Siegel. Actually, this is brilliant. I kind of like bra burning better, by the way. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> we can do that on the weekend, you and I. But oh, there you go. All right, we'll do that on the weekend. No, but, but what good is it if a guy? See, I'm a rebel anyway. So when I go out there, like I just said before you came on, do not comply. Don't comply. If they come back with any of this stuff, you know, like Curtis goes to jail three times a week, go to jail. Do not comply. But if I say it, I'm just a jerky radio guy. If Dr. Mark Siegel says it, that holds a lot of weight. Would you actually recommend to people don't comply? Yeah, because I don't believe in mandates. I believe that people should make their decisions by talking to me or by talking to you. I don't know about talking to you, but talking to me for <laughs> you, sure. Right. Talking to you, you get a lot of wise life guidance, <laughs> life guidance. Thank but you. talk to me about whether I think you need a shot or a mask or what the risk is or what the virus looks like now or whether people are being hospitalized or who's at risk and who isn't. And You know, one of the things we did wrong in this country big time, and it's just a tell, I call it a tell, that the public health – the public health messaging and, and thinking was all skewed up, all screwed up, was that we didn't allow that when you just had COVID, you could go back to work or you could go back to school. That was really awful. And people lost their jobs because of that. But they had immunity from COVID. And a lot of people got COVID and got immunity, and that never got accepted. And it's still an issue. How much do you believe in this long COVID stuff? My wife actually believes that my daughter Ava may be suffering from long COVID. How do you feel about long COVID? I think it's real, but I think that it was much more of an issue with earlier iterations of this. I think lately it's much less so because all the immunity you have built up from vaccines, from prior COVID, decreases your risk of it. But it could be real. But here's the good news for your daughter. You should have her call me, by the way. She's a lovely kid. Thank you. But Thank but, you. but it, it will wear off in most cases. And, and I'm I'm mainly worried about concentration issues. That's what that's what I'm worried about. And that's. 
that's something that should get better over time. One more, about a minute to go, and uh, this is all about awareness. So uh, you love me, I love you. My uh, former partner, God rest his soul, love you too. You loved him, Bernard. He's almost gone a year. October 5th, he'll be gone a year. And uh, we got our uh, big celebration coming up September the 7th. Once again, we're going to honor Bernard. And we know the story. Two years ago, Bernard went to the doctor, had a very, very high PSA count. I mean, extremely high. And for the better part of a year, year and a half, did nothing about it. And then he uh, ended up with prostate cancer and was dead in less than a year. And I, people tell me all the time that he didn't die in vain because people listen to the show. They still love him. They still miss him. And now they make sure they go to the doctor. So for especially men uh, out there listening right now, if they haven't done it yet, the prostate, how important to get it done? And what's the age? Well, so th- this is extremely important. I'll tell you something. I'm not replaced by robots yet. They're working on that with artificial <laughs> intelligence. But until then, I want to tell you what I think of screening tests. You do them. You know, a lot of our organizations, like the U.S. Preventative Task Force, oh, people overreact to that. No, they don't. Doctors know what know what they're doing, get numbers, and figure out what to do. If you have a high PSA, I promise you I'm going to act on it. Does it mean you automatically get a biopsy? No, you may get an MRI. You get seen by a specialist. This number, the prostate-specific antigen, is hugely important to me. I start to check it over the age of 45. I check it even younger in black men because they're at higher risk. This is extremely important, this number, this screening, the idea that there's, a lot, the, that there's a lot of prostate cancer out there, that it's treatable and it's curable. And, and Bernie was, was a great, great human being. And, and I, I'm so glad you say a lesson to people out there to get screening. By the way, colonoscopies, too. A pain in the neck getting getting the prep colonoscopy. We get a direct visualization of the colon. Mammograms, colonoscopies, prostate screening save so many lives. You do too, Doctor Mark Siegel. I love you to pieces, man. Another great conversation. Thank you as always for coming on. We'll do it again very soon. Thank you, good buddy. Thanks, Sid. The Knicks are coming, and they better do better than the baseball teams. I'll tell you. Oh, what a miserable year for that, huh? They may, they may, for the first time ever, the Mets and Yankees may come in last place. First time ever in the same season. By the way, this great conversation with Dr. Mark Siegel was brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan, listening right now. Peerless Borders, check them out today. Peerlessboilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build the world's best boilers. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Did no doubt. Make the start. I like it. Today is uh, at least the morning that make it nicer this afternoon, but this is a good cuddle weather. Be under the covers and 
Well, anything but walking around the city, which I'm about to do. I've got to get my hearing aids fixed and have to go back to uh, my other job. God, please get them fixed. <laughs> well, on, I heard fine today, though. It's okay. Remember that day when I lost both of them? Oh, that, that was worst. weird, bro. That was, the worst, yeah. that was the worst. So bad, I couldn't hear you. Yeah, well, I know. What? Oh. <laughs> Today was a great show. It was a lot of fun. It was good to be back. I did miss you guys yesterday. Everybody did. And I thank Curtis and Andrew for doing a good job. But uh, they're not as good as me. That's the bottom line. That's why I'm hosting. You weren't here? Not. You weren't here yesterday? No. Shut up. Oh. God. <laughs> you heard that. Actually, Curtis, right now, if I had a, to vote for the MVP of our station, I would give it to Curtis. Yeah. He's the MVP. Oh, you guys are great, though. Lou Rafino, tremendous job. Justin Ellett, great job. And uh, you know what was really good today was Noam Layton. Noam, you were great today. And Jim Flipman didn't do much, but he's cute. God willing, we'll all be back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. <laughs> Bo Deedle, Bill O'Reilly, Judge Napolitano for starters. And then don't forget, coming up at 8.40 on Friday, my man, President Donald Trump. So until 6 a.m. tomorrow, folks, from all of us to all of you, stay dry. 